Friday, July the 3rd. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said. Happy 4th of July weekend. Hope everyone has a nice, safe weekend. Uh, such a, a bummer um, in, in this year where everything's going on and, and the virus. 4th of July has always been my favorite holiday. My family would, in Temple City, we would have a barbecue. Fireworks are legal in Temple City, so we'd have a little firework thing. We'd have a softball game right down the street every year. Big uh, dessert. Everybody comes and have some drinks. So this will be the first time in my lifetime that we're not having a, a at least a small barbecue gathering over there. And I think my mom had said it's been 50 years in a row that they've been playing softball, having a barbecue, doing fireworks. Uh, so... Unfortunately, 2020 has become a year unlike any other, but I'm sure we'll all have um, our own little small gatherings. Make sure you stay safe out there, but uh, celebrate the uh, the 4th of July weekend. We we all need a little something to celebrate right now. Let's uh, let's tell you what we're going to have on this episode of That's What G Said. we got to talk a little bit about that Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. We'll do that right at the top. Then we're going to get into the NBA. Our buddy Eric um, joins us, and we talk about the Eastern Conference. We go through the nine teams that are going to be returning to the NBA bubble on July the 30th. Then we get into weekend horse racing. Craig Milkowski joins us for the Belmont Park Saturday card. We go through the five stakes races with Craig. You're going to get some Friday racing too, don't don't worry about that. You're going to get some Friday Pleasanton with the late pick five. We're going to go through stable dual lineups. They are back. They have lineups for Friday and Saturday. You can enter for five bucks on Friday. You can enter in contests on Saturday for 10, I think for five, 10 and $25. So we're going to go through the, the Friday Belmont contest. We'll build a lineup. We'll build a lineup for the Saturday Belmont contest. We'll build a lineup for the Saturday Delaware contest. We'll build a lineup for the Saturday Woodbine contest. We'll also talk a couple of the stakes races at Los Alamitos, Saturday Pleasanton. We are absolutely loaded. Let's get right on into it. Okay, I want to mention one TV show real quick before we get into everything. There's a new show on HBO. It's Perry Mason. It's the it's a reboot, but it's not a reboot. It's more like a prequel of the, the old Perry Mason. Uh, give it a look. I've watched two episodes so far. It's a little bit heavy with the storyline, It's and it's a little intense right off the bat with one of the major storylines, but the show actually kind of lightens up and, and it, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's keeping me engaged through two episodes. I'm going to watch one more this weekend for their third episode, and I'll think about uh, whether or not we want to make this as a show that we can, we'll do some weekly recaps on. So we'll give it one more. We'll see. Let me know if some of you watch it, if you're interested in Perry Mason, two episodes so far you can check out over on HBO. When we think 4th of July, we, you know, we think fireworks, we think uh, barbecues, and we think hot dogs, right? We think the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. This is something we've all been watching or we've seen on ESPN on 4th of July um, here or there in the background of a party. And we've actually be- started to become familiar with some of the names, the Kobayashis, the Joey Chestnuts of the world. So the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest, the annual hot dog competition, each year held on 4th of July and it's no it's it's normally held on the corner of Surf and Stillwell Avenues in Coney Island, Brooklyn, but this year they're actually going to be holding it inside an arena in a different undisclosed location so far because they're not going to be able to have fans. This has been an event that is is great. There's all sorts of legend and all sorts of lore about the the hot dog eating contest. The promoter of Nathan's Hot Dog, Mortimer Matz, 
His story initially was that on July the 4th, 1916, four immigrants held a hot dog eating contest at Nathan's famous stand on Coney Island to settle an argument about who was the most patriotic. And then he had said that the contest had been held each year following that. This was uh, this was a fun story to build a little publicity. But in all honesty, it was 1972 where you, we have all the records from and it was really in with Kobayashi when when he took over when I think a lot of people started to really take notice and Kobayashi started winning this thing um, in 2001 and he was the the um, Japanese c- competitive eater who just demolished and smashed the previous records that were held before him. So when he became the leader of the the, the hot dog eating contest, he ate 50 hot dogs in 2001. The year before him, the record was 25. So he doubled it in his first year in the competition in 2001. And he became a sensation. Kobayashi... Uh, when you look him up, he has won competitive eating comp- uh, eating competitions all over the place. And the reason why he he l- stopped competing in 2006 was what the what they ended up doing was for these competitions, they made you sign a contract with the competitor the competitive eating league. And Kobayashi had become so popular and he was able to make a ton of money going to competitions on his own, promoting himself. Um, he was involved in all sorts of charity events and, and he would show up and, and and you know and be a, get you know guest appearance fees all over the place. And he was able to make more money on his own than he would have if he had signed a deal with the major. It's funny, I'm looking, you know, we're literally getting into the hot dog contest, but with Kobayashi and then with Joey Chestnut. So in 2001, 50 hot dogs was the record. Then Kobayashi comes along, he raises the record all the way up to the mid 50s, and then 2007 is when Joey Chestnut comes along and he takes it into the mid-60s. In 2011, for the first time, they were split up into men's and women's competitions, so Sonia Thomas ends up winning the the 2011 women's competition, but Joey Chestnut has become an absolute staple. He, in 2018, broke the world record with 74 hot dogs, and people know the name, Joey Chestnut. This is something that I've tuned into and watched always with my friends. We know Chestnut, we know Kobayashi. Uh, it's it's just fun, and it's something that we all we, we see every year on Fourth of July. I wanted to spend a couple minutes talking about it because I know I'm going to be watching at least some of it and seeing uh, if Joey Chestnut can break his own world record and if he can win again another victory for Joey Chestnut. He has he his first win was in 2007. He won in 2007, 2008, 2009, 2010. 2011, 2012, 2013, 2014, and 2015 was when he lost. He was upset by Matt Stoney. Then he came back, Joey Chestnut, and he won 2016, getting up to 70 hot dogs. 2017, up to 72. 18, up to 74. 19, he was at 71. So he uh, has been over the 70 hot dog mark the last four years. Can he get to 75? We'll find out. On the 4th of July, the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest, an absolute staple every year 
on the 4th of July. Let's hear from one of our sponsors, and then we're going to get over to Eric. We're going to talk some NBA, the Eastern Conference. We're going to go through the nine teams, Milwaukee through the Wizards. We'll go through all the news, everything um, to discuss with the restart in the bubble for the NBA in Orlando. Folks, if you're looking for some new swag, check out OldSmokeClothing.com. T-shirts, horse racing names, polos, hoodies, long sleeves, zip-ups, hats. We're talking uh, names of the big races, names of the big horses, slogans. Show the horse racing fan in you. Men's, women's, all sizes. Give a look to OldSmokeClothing.com. They can do customs for you. And when you use the promo code G-I-N-O, no shipping on your order. That's right. Promo code G-I-N-O, no shipping cost on your order. If you love horse racing and you want to show what a fan you are, check it out. Maybe uh, figure out something that you can have custom designed for you. They uh, also have a deal with the clubhouse that uh, just went out their first um, shipment of the clubhouse. It is a four part of the year for an annual fee of $500 and you get quarterly packages that ex- include a t-shirt only available to the members, custom horse racing themed gift, various package fillers. Go to Old Smoke clothing.com if you have any questions uh, you can shoot me a message I'll help you out oldsmokeclothing.com we're keeping our fingers crossed that uh, sports are on the way back some of the major sports uh, baseball, basketball, football hopefully following that and we heard the news now that basketball has a plan to return they are going to be inviting 22 teams back to play in what they're referring to as the bubble in Orlando and to discuss this situation to discuss the return and to go through we're going to start with the east next week we're going to go through the west we're going to go team by team talk a little bit about each one of them if we like their chances what might they need to do in the uh in this little restart joining me is a good friend of the show you've heard him uh, discuss sports with us many many times generally football when we talk with Eric but it's E Toft 21 sports what's going on buddy nothing much how you doing Good man, good. Thanks for doing this. So, uh, it's f- just before we get into it, you're everything going good for you on the end. You were you are located where again? And and uh, now you said you're back to work, and so that's always a good a uh, positive. Yeah, I'm um in the northern burbs of Chicago, so back back to the grind of coaching. So doing that, and yeah, everything's good. Working a little bit more. Wouldn't mind going back to lockdown where stuff is a little more chill, but I'm getting by. Okay, so we're going to talk some basketball today. We're going to talk about the Eastern Conference. Uh, so what NBA is doing is going to be different than what you know baseball is trying to do. What we hear from football with their um, you know starting back up and probably like normal without fans. NBA is going to have a situation where there really isn't going to be a home court advantage now. All twenty-two of these teams are going to be finishing seven or eight games of a season. They're going to be battling for playoff seating. A couple teams in the West look like they have an opportunity to maybe. Uh, maybe jump Memphis for uh, for the eight seed, but there's I think it's kind of like a trial that we're going to see before they start the playoffs because I don't think they could have just started and gone immediately into the playoffs. They had to do something, whether it was going to be a a training camp or some games back like this to at least to at least give these guys an opportunity to sort of get back into shape because I think we were joking uh, and they were laughing because Giannis and uh, some of the players on the Bucks were talking about how initially they didn't have a basketball hoop at their house, so they were able to work out, but they couldn't shoot. So I guess we'll see who is able to uh, to stay in the best of shape. Yeah, I mean, my my biggest fear with this whole big restart is these guys are so athletic, so 
quick, so strong that there's going to be an injury that happens in one of the first couple games just because the guys just haven't been playing. And yep. that's one of the big things. And also, like, how does the NBA handle it if there is a breakout? Like, if a team, like, if the Wizards or the Nets or whoever has a COVID breakout, like, what's what's the plan? And I'm sure, like, Silver does have a plan because he's one of the more inventive guys. But, yeah, I'm just interested to see, like, who's been playing and who hasn't been playing. And also, it's usually the big step between the uh, rookie year and second year. Like, these first-year guys that were doing good, like, I'm really – the guy I'm interested most to see in is actually Morant to see that step he's made mm-hmm. in this off time and how he's developed. The, de- the development, yeah, because they've had an opportunity now to work on some of their skills. And what what's unique about the situation, you hit a great point, is they were able to get because a lot of the the problem or the issues for some of the rookies is it's a different lifestyle. You're not used to playing this kind of game, traveling, going on the road, all that stuff. You you're able to figure out the quickness of the game. It's like you're able to get a little a little tester of the season. And now, if you're someone like a Jaw or even like a Zion who has an opportunity to make some noise here in these playoffs and maybe carry your team and and maybe upset someone, that's a great point. That's that's really interesting. And then you know the home court advantage thing. That's that's a big factor too. Teams like the Lakers, the Clippers, Milwaukee, they had pretty good seasons in order to. Get them in a, a position where they were going to have Be able to secure home court advantage It looked like with home court thrown out the window I wonder You know teams that Might have been not as good on the road or maybe did like The home different it's just going to be a different Scenario because we don't really know it's the neutral For everyone so that's going to be something that's hard to, to Judge and to gauge also And you mentioned Zion did you see the picture Of him on Twitter today looking good I mean he's looking lean 10 dropped 25 pounds of fat And added 10 of muscle I mean and even, like, none and Hero, I'm just interested to see, like, how everything, how those guys are look. And to your point, which the number one stat I'm going to be looking at is defensive efficiency on the road. So that's the number yes. one stat I'm going to be point. looking at for when I'm looking at these teams. And in the Giannis had an interview, um, I think it was yesterday the day before, and he mentioned, I didn't hear this before, for home court, they're talking about adding an extra coach coach's challenge if you have the home court advantage. Okay. Extra timeout or giving a player a seventh foul. Okay. So, I mean, like... I, some sort of advantage. Yeah. Something. So, I mean, I think that's interesting. I don't know what they're going to do yet. But also, are people just going to play for matchups? Because I really feel like in the East, I feel whoever Milwaukee plays, and maybe I'm biased because I have season tickets, they have the advantage. But I feel like, example... The 76ers match up better with the Celtics than the Heat. Absolutely. But the, 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 the Celtics yeah. don't want to play the 76ers. Yeah. No, so they're I mean, hoping they get up to the five. And, and Indiana's going to try to play with Oladipo back. They don't want to. I think they'd much rather play Miami yeah. than, than one of the, the two or the three seed. You're right. They're going to be battling. And the teams that are in the seventh, one, you know, you know, Brooklyn and Orlando. I think they're going to battle because they don't want to necessarily get to the eighth spot and play Milwaukee. They'd prefer to play Toronto. That's a great point. So it there it is important for some of these teams in the East that are that are battling. Yeah, it's just all about matchups and who you're going to play. Because I think Miami would be a tougher out than the Celtics for the Sixers. As crazy as that seems, just because everyone thinks. It's, I completely agree yeah. with the size, with, way, with yeah. the way Bam matches up with uh, Adebayo matches up with them a little bit d- differently because the Celtics don't really have much size. Tice is fine, but they're they match up better with a team that they could maybe spread out and go small ball with because they have a lot of athletes. If you have some decent size, like Philly really does, 
I just think in a series they would be Embiid would be a really tough matchup for them. Oh, insanely matchup, and because can't Cantor can't defend the pick and roll either, so you just nope. do the pick and roll with Simmons and Embiid. It's night and day. But then you look. I feel the Celtics are a tougher matchup than the Raptors. Then I think the Raptors have the length to give the Sixers a lot of trouble. So I mean, like, there's just so many layers to these matchups. It's I think it's going to be really entertaining. I'm actually looking forward to it. I hope it goes off without a hitch, but. There's a we lot of keep our fingers out. crossed, yeah, because we're you know we're hearing a lot of things. So we'll go on and predict and, and preview these teams as if hopefully everything is gonna gonna come back. But um, lot lots of reason to uh, to to be unsure. So let's start with Milwaukee at the top of the East. They had a great you know great start to the season. They're fifty three and twelve, and not only were they good, Eric, they were. Historically good like they were one of the top five teams As far as point differential is concerned They are a team that doesn't play Their starters you know Into the the mid 30s and 40 minutes A game they're good even when Giannis Was not on the court they're Excellent defensively they're a well Coached team they don't lose a ton of games in a row Now all that being said they did Have a little bit of a of a Slip up towards the end right before the uh, the season stopped, they ended up struggling a little bit. It looked like Giannis was hurt. They lost to the Lakers. They ended up losing a couple games. They might be benefit from the time off, kind of rejuvenated. They're going to be really, really tough and a very tough out in the East. I mentioned that defensive efficiency on the road. They actually were the highest ones in the NBA. Yeah. So I love them. They basically have the one seed locked up because they're up six and a half games with eight remaining. So I mean, it would take a total melt, which I don't see happening. Giannis, Giannis's knee because he took that nasty fall in the Lakers game. That was obviously injured, and now he's fully healthy. They weren't really clicking. They lost a couple because um, they lost to the Pacers right before the break, too. Um, but you hit the main thing on the head. In the playoffs, Middleton and Giannis are over 40 minutes a game. No one averages over 31 minutes a game. So I don't know how Bo- Bogenhauser is going to get all those guys lined up. Is he going to like set the rotation? And then... You know what I mean? Like, yeah. how is he going to work these guys in? And they rely so much on the three-pointer. I mean, 42.5% of their shots are threes. So they're a, definitely a three-point shooting team. And when you look back at last year, and last year's insanely a sore spot for me because I had finals tickets. I had the Bucks 100-1 to to win it all. When they're up 2-0... Their shooting percentage in open threes against the Raptors was 29%. So everyone gives the Raptors credit for shutting them down. The Bucks were just missing wide open looks. Are they going to be able to knock down those threes? Because that's basically their whole offense now. Especially Giannis. Yeah. For, for the, the key really for him is you know the threes and the free throws. And, and those yeah. and it's and it's very, you know, it, it's easy to say with him because that's something that and that, that was something that has been um, a kryptonite for LeBron. In, in years too If he's not hitting the outside shot If he's not hitting his free throws With as much as they handle the ball it, it was like a microcosm of their season In two different games against the Lakers Because the first time they played the Lakers When for the most part they beat up the Lakers Throughout most of the game I think the Lakers had a little run late But it was yeah. never close It wasn't gonna, like, They were never going to win And Giannis was awesome I think he hit five threes that game mm-hmm. And he was just stepping into them He was looking so comfortable And then the, the next game Obviously when he's not doing that it's, it's a completely different dynamic for their team So how comfortable he is Stepping in and hitting that three Because you know 
the, everyone, that's the way people are going to try to defend them. They're going to sag off Giannis. Yeah. They're going to try to force him to shoot that three. They're going to try to defend the other threes because you you, know, you mentioned how good they are. The rest of the team shooting threes. Even the big guy like Brook Lopez can stretch the floor. He hasn't had his great year percentage wise, but he can stretch the floor and still shoot that three and knock it down and hit a big shot. So, yeah, it's it's going to come down to. Did they get their growing pains out of the way last year? We we usually see that in basketball, mm-hmm. where teams kind of have the one year where they lose. It, going back to Jordan, you know, them. There's always the team that you maybe have to get, you have to kind of struggle with, or you have to get by. And for them, maybe it was just the fact that there's there's not going to be a Kawhi there because they were dominating up until yeah. that 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 game they lost to Toronto, and then things turned. There, yeah, they should have won that game. They should have, like, and that's when yeah. everything changed. Yep, they should have won that game, and they just stopped missing open shots. And also the big piece to them is Middleton. Middleton's been insane when Giannis hasn't played. I mean, he's, in my eyes, Middleton, you're probably going to say I'm crazy, was a top 15 player in that. And he's so underrated, and he's he's good on both sides of the ball. He can handle the ball a little bit more than you think he can. He can playmake a little bit more than you think he can. He gets the reputation as just a 3 to D guy, which he's excellent at both of them, but he can do more, and he he has done more. The the numbers don't lie. They show that he has. Oh, he's been, he's had a great year, and it's how much has he been doing? Because no one seems to be talking about him, even around here. And I'm a buck season ticket holder. No one is really talking about Middleton. Like, what's he doing? He's kind of like an under-the-radar guy. No one knows how much he's working. And then also back to Giannis, it's crazy to think if it's October 1st, you and I will probably have a conversation if the Bucks are out of it. Does Giannis not play in the playoffs? Yep. yep. So, I mean, it's this is kind of like a pretty big situation for them. And then will Giannis even resign? That's There's the, all those. That's another one. Cause now this, this year is, is going to become so close to next year that everything's going to bleed into each other. Right. Yep. It's not going to feel like two separate years really. Cause the season's going to end. It's going to go right into free agency draft, you know, all the, all the off season stuff. And then right away, whether it's Christmas or whenever the NBA season will start again, you know, maybe after the new year, maybe even into February, there's not going to be a long off season. So Mm-mm. anything that, that hangs over Milwaukee here, there's, there's pressure on them as an organization, I think to at least get to the finals. Oh, exactly. If they don't make it to the finals, it's probably considered a wasted season. Yeah, and just the way that, that that in particular, when you just stop and look at the way the East is lined up right now, nobody there. Everybody felt like Philly was going to be their their big competitor this year. That they were going to battle with Milwaukee. They haven't been Philly, and if they're continuing to be the Jekyll and Hyde Philly that we saw, that would be really good one night, and then struggle the next night, and then they would just be off. Milwaukee is head and shoulders above everybody else in here. Toronto still feels like they would be a year away. Boston feels like they're probably a year away. Miami feels like they're probably a year away. This is the time. This is their moment. They, I think there is a lot of pressure on, on Milwaukee uh, to get there. So, Oh, all the yeah. pressure in the world. And, I mean, I, for me, I'd love to go to a victory parade, so I hope they do it. But we'll, yeah. we'll see. I mean, We're, I definitely yeah. like them, though. We'll see. You, you know, you get into a series with Toronto or Boston if it was one of them, or even Philly, and and Giannis has a game or two where he's missing a few threes, and then they they're doubling him or they're forcing the ball out of his hands, and then maybe some of the other players feel the heat. They struggle a little bit. Bledsoe hasn't always been great in the playoffs. He, he, you could you could absolutely see a formula for them not winning. It's just this is the year on paper where they feel like they have to get to the finals, and you know, seeing them against either a Lakers or a Clippers or if it was somebody else in the West would be a really fun finals matchup. Um, 
Let's get to the two seed right now. It's currently Toronto. They're forty six and eighteen. They're six and a half games back of Milwaukee. So most likely the Lakers or Milwaukee on both sides are not going to drop out of the one seed. They would have to pretty much lose every one of their games, and their two seeds would basically have to win every one of their games. And so Toronto's had a really good year. They lost Kawhi. They lost Danny Green. Everybody assumed they would take a couple steps back. They just have a lot of really interchangeable wing players. They're another team that plays good defense. They, I think the question with them is, is is Siakam? Do they have the guy? They have a Siakam. They have a Lowry. They have you know Gasol. And there's some other veteran players there, Vaca. But do they have the number one guy that that was what Kawhi gave them last year when things get tough in the playoffs? I mean, I look at them and they had the fifth most games lost to injury this whole year out of anybody. Yes. And for them to be on the two seed really speaks a lot about Nick Nurse and like the culture he's building and the what they're doing up there. Um, also, Powell started playing a lot more to close out games. He, the Raptors outscored opponents by thirteen point four points per hundred possession when he was on the court versus Van Van Bleek. And obviously, the sample size because Powell's been out isn't the same, but who's going to be closing games? Is it going to, is Powell going to be on the floor or is it going to be Van Vliet? Cause Van Vliet was insane from in the playoffs like, last year in the yeah, last like couple the last, series. Yeah. Like in, against the, uh, the bucks and uh, the warriors. So who's going to close that out? Um, there are only two teams that had a larger drop off and win percentage against opponents um, above versus below 500%. And the Raptors had the third worst. So, I mean, them getting that two seed and avoiding whoever's in that six seed spot, have it be the Pacers, Sixers, whoever, is huge for them. Yes, another great point. And they need that. They need that. I really feel like the X factor for them is Marcus All. Um, I really think that trade last year was the piece that pushed them over because he, he, can, he can make the three. Um, he can play defense. He gives the them a body if they yeah. need to against an MB type or yeah. a big, a big, and he, and he he's just rebound. Yeah, he gives them a different, yeah. just a different dimension. And then if he's struggling, that's fine. You got Surge that who can stretch it. You know, it just gives him yeah. a different option. It's so nice to have that. But I mean, the big thing is like they're down by two. Who has the ball? Exactly. Who, who has the bucket? Who has the ball? I mean, Nurse can X and O a defensive thing, triangle and two or box and one like he did last year in the playoffs against the Warriors against. Clay and Steph before Clay got hurt, but who on offense? What's going to happen? Who's going to knock down that shot? I mean, but uh, in defense efficiency on the road, they were number two. So I mean, I will like this team um, if they play the Celtics in the second round. I'd, I'd favor the Celtics, but if they play somebody else, I think they can make it to the to the finals, the conference finals again. Yeah, I agree. I think that that's because the Celtics. Match up well with them because the Celtics can go kind of go small with them and play yeah. a lot of wings with them. Yeah, you know, they'll they'll, yeah. they'll throw Jalen Brown and they'll throw Tatum at you, and they have there's a couple quality wings right there, and you get Marcus Smart in the mix too, who's going to be a bull. He can guard a little bit up uh, if he has to. They can offset the you know the Siakam, the Ananubi, those wings that are really good and really versatile. That that's just not a great matchup for Toronto. But but um, I I agree. I wouldn't. Against um, Philly or Indiana, I would probably I would probably prefer Toronto. Yep, yep. I mean they, X, they're just missing that guy. They're just missing that 
superstar. And Which like, is ironically what Kawhi was <laughs> last year for them. Siakam was, has been so good. Like, we just don't know. Is Can he, he going to take a step back? Exactly. Is he maintain it? Like, what has he been doing? And, I mean, Lowry has never really been a, quote-unquote, in-shape guy. It always takes him a little while. Like, is he out of shape? Has he been sitting down? You know what I mean? Like, what has mm-hmm. he been doing? Yep. Um, one of my friend's parents is actually neighbors with um, Van Vliet's in, uh, up in Toronto. And, I mean, they said he's been having a fun time. That he's been working out, but he's been having a lot of pool parties. So, I mean, I just don't, you know what I mean? You just don't yeah. know, like, what these guys are doing during this lockdown. how some of them are going to react. Yeah, so yeah. how some are going to react to being in, in this kind of a different situation. So, um, Toronto, a uh, really great season so far. Looks like they're probably slotted into the two seed because they're three games ahead of the Celtics, who are 43 and 21. They're nine and a half games out of it. So, they're... They're almost slotted into the three seed two. They're two and a half games ahead of Miami. They would they would need to struggle a little bit. Miami would need to play pretty well to catch them. I don't I don't think the Pacers or the Sixers would be able to catch the the Celtics there. So they're, they're probably the three seed. And we've talked about it a couple times before we discussed them. For them, it's going to be really key. They're going to be doing a lot of rooting because there's probably not much they're going to be able to do themselves. They. Probably can't get to Toronto at two Because they're three full games behind them With just eight to play They would so much rather play the Indiana Pacers Than the Philadelphia 76ers Oh, without a doubt But with, it's also You gotta remember though, the Raptors own the tiebreaker yep. So if If Celtics can get in a row In a row, but three games and eight is really tough Out of all the teams in the East I really think They're gonna miss the the home crowd The most during the playoffs That I don't know if you've been to a, the Boston Garden. No. That place is insane. I mean, it is a great – the home crowd there is insane. I really think that's going to be a missing piece for them. Um, Cantor in the pick and roll, I mentioned that earlier. He is awful in pick and roll situations. Um, when he played for the Blazers, the Warriors really attacked that a lot to the point where he couldn't even be on the court. On the floor, yeah. Yeah. Um, Kemba has always kind of struggled in the playoffs, but yet he played for the Hornets. He's definitely a better fit, I feel, um, than uh, Kyrie was yes. last year. Yeah, they just like each other better too. You yeah. know, they do. Like, yeah. And then, um, oh, excuse me. Tatum was playing at an insane level, and it was kind of weird because I feel like last year everyone kind of cut him off. Me too. This I, year, I've always thought he was a little overhyped because I think a lot of it was because you know Bill Simmons which was would would talk about him as being you know. A top five player in the league or like one of the two Best assets in the league and they were always so Hesitant to trade him you know and he Was compared to like three of the Lakers prospects so me as a Laker fan always Was like bitter thinking and he is Done in the in the month Leading up to the stoppage He's playing great To a level that I didn't think he would ever even Be able to be at which means his Upside his ceiling is even higher than that Right now he was incredible he Was hitting the three a little bit better Than he did last year he was Creating and he was finishing Those were two things that he kind of struggled at He was always very good in in a lot of different ways He played good defender um, Good corner three right when he came up But he struggled at finishing When he would get a little contact And he struggled at um, Creating a lot for other people He could score, he's taken a a big step in both of those And and he might be one of those guys Who we see blossom And then maybe if, if he goes off in a series That's how they upset a team I mean you talked about his ceiling, and I was talking to my buddy. Do you have his ceiling as MVP? 
because we had me and my friend had this he, heated discussion. Like, he, could he, you he's see a, him win an MVP? All, all NBA. Yeah. Yeah. I think all I NBA. Him, I could see him. I think his ceiling is leading score on a championship team. Yeah. I think he could be your number one yeah. now. And I didn't yeah. think that before. Yeah. I mean, I'm really looking forward to seeing like the next step he makes if he really, if he is, but I really think he will. Um, and also kind of lost in the mix. Gordon Hayward was having a really good season. He was he having was. his best shooting and his best rebounding season. And, he was and now kinda, maybe he's healthy. Yeah, they are full. That's in my notes right here. That's my next thing. They're actually fully healthy right now. And Stevens is great. I think his reputation kind of took a little bit of a hit last year because of the turmoil with uh, Kyrie and everybody in the locker room. But when it comes, he's not going to get outcoached in the game. They won't lose a game because of Stevens. I really feel he's one of the top guys, top coaching guys in the East and the whole NBA. So it'll be up to the guys on the court. Um, Jalen Brown has been playing great. Yep. They have all these pieces, but I really just feel the thing they're missing that propels them is they just don't have that guard off the bench that can come in and get like 12 points. A little spark plug. Yeah. 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 They're very, we're, I think their, their bench is just not deep. I think they're very reliant um, and they're probably going to have to be, you know, in, in the playoffs on getting a ton of production from their starters because once you get past, you know, Tatum Walker, Jalen Brown, Hayward, and Marcus Smart, and then you have and you have Thice. So I think you have those six that are that are going to give you, you know, Thice plays a good, does does a, actually a better job than I and ever thought he was. That mm-hmm. and he he's had a really good year. But after that, it's Cantor, it's Wanamaker. We're talking about Grant Williams, uh, Ojale, you know, Carson Edwards. Who who do you trust off the bench for them? Their depth is going to hurt them. In, in a series against some of the better teams Like you said, they might not be able To match up and, and do different Things like, like a Toronto could do And I mean the thing is and like Everyone looks at the stars I really feel like championships Especially at the NBA level They're one when you look at guys Four through nine on the nine, team 9-10, yeah. yeah That's where you want to look at who has that advantage And there's just such a big drop off and, like, what happens if one of those guys gets in foul trouble or, heaven forbid, someone gets hurt? Like, Especially right now because do? you're not going to have time to get to get healthy. You're not going to have time to yeah. recover. If a Brown, if a Tatum, if a Kemba, even if a, a Hayward, one of them isn't completely healthy, they're going to be in some trouble because they need all the production from all of them. Yeah, exactly. So we move from uh, Boston to the number four seed Miami Heat. They're forty-one and twenty-four. They are twelve games back, so they're two and a half games behind Boston. They are two games ahead of the Pacers. So I guess the four, five, and six spots are still up for grabs because Miami, Indy, Philly—they're only separated by two games between the three of those teams. But it, for this, we can kind of sort of pencil in Miami to a probably a four spot. Which would give them a, a first round matchup With either the Pacers or the 76ers Whoever was in that 5 spot And then they would probably have to, to play Milwaukee in, in round 2 So as far as you know How they would fare the rest of the way Where do you like them? How, how would you see them in those matchups? The big thing for me that sticks out for the Heat are, Is number 1 They're 14 and 19 on the road So they were awful not playing at home. And they get, they catch people coming play? into Miami having that Miami nightlife sometimes. Yeah. You know, people go out the night before and they catch them a little lazy start. Yep. And then in my defense efficiency that I mentioned earlier, they were 13. So they really didn't play defense well on the road. Um, and Jimmy Butler really struggled this year from three. He was only 20, 24.8%. 
And that's his lowest mark since his rookie year. And his rookie year in Chicago, he was barely on the floor. So Jimmy can't hit the broadside of a barn hitting a jump shot. But at least you have someone, they have that guy, like which Toronto doesn't, where you know who the ball is going to be with the game on the line or needing a bucket. Um, and Duncan Robinson and the other rookie nun, what is going to be the step they take? Because both those two insanely overachieved this year. Actually, the whole team did. What is the next step in their development? Now, since after, like, we talked about being a rookie, kind of getting a taste of the NBA and everything. And I talk about coaches a lot. I really feel Spolstra is one of the most underrated coaches in the game. You look at yes. anyone that goes to Miami, they always improve. Have it be Whiteside. He got Deion Waiters to buy in and get into shape. He gets people to improve and overachieve. And... If any team's going to be ready for this situation, it will be this team just on the Spolstra factor alone. They hit on a couple of key points. They got such good production from some of their youngsters that they probably didn't didn't uh, think they would. And, you know, Iguodala didn't look great. Is he going to be back into better shape now? Because he wasn't playing most of the season until he came back. And he didn't, he didn't look all that great once they got him from Memphis. But this, the, the coaching... The teams like uh, with Boston and with Miami And I mean honestly the top four Seeds I think have really good coaches in the East I I really do but I think with Boston and with Miami Their coaches in game And situationally they might be able To to beat you like that's like a That you get a little bit more from a Spolstra and from a Stevens I love Spolstra I don't think he gets enough credit I think he's insanely underrated For for how good of a coach he is With LeBron and Wade stuff yeah Exactly, because people just assume, oh, anybody could win with LeBron And it's not even what he did with those teams Which he did a great job with all of them But it's what he did with the other teams How their teams are always in and around the playoffs With just undermanned talent, tons of injuries uh, he, he he does a hell of a job So I I like them, I'm, I'm impressed with what they've done I think they could beat the Pacers I don't, so you said against Philly You'd, you'd lean which way with Miami, Philly? I would actually lead Miami. Yeah, it would be because, close because they match up better. They match up okay with them size-wise. Yeah, and there's also, like, Jimmy Butler is one of those guys. He just plays better pissed off. And I Going really against think his he's old still team. bitter about how that whole thing was handled and how you choose those that. guys over me. I just think we're all wired differently, and mm-hmm. he's just wired when he's pissed off. He plays better. So I just think, I mean, I, I would have Miami winning that So we move on to the number five seed The Indiana Pacers And a couple things going on with the Pacers Uh, When we talked about Milwaukee, Toronto, the Celtics Nothing really on the the coronavirus, COVID front With um, Miami, nothing really either With the Pacers, Malcolm Brogdon has tested positive for the coronavirus So they're kind of waiting This uh, He released that information I think a week ago or so Around June 24th So they're Going to see what happens with him He's a big part of their team And for them It's obviously going to be on How What Oladipo are we going to get His last game that he played Before the stoppage Was the best game of the year Prior to that He was a little disappointing Coming back from a couple injuries now If we get the Oladipo Who maybe with some rest And and he's you know, His body feels better Didn't have to push it To get to the playoffs now if if he carries this team like he did a few years ago, they can up. They can you know. I think they could beat a, a team or two in here. I just don't think they're they'd be capable of knocking off uh, Miami and then uh, you know uh, Milwaukee and then a Boston. They'd be hard pressed 
in order to, I think, win a couple series in a row against the really good teams. I, this is the team that I'm really intrigued about the most. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, they open up with the 76ers, and basically whoever wins that game has a huge advantage in the tiebreaker because if the Pacers win, they, they own a 3-1 head-to-head, so they'll get the higher seed. If the Sixers win, that will even up the series, but the Sixers own a three-game edge in conference play. And with seven games to play, that would just be way too much to overcome. So basically, whoever wins that first game between the Pacers and the 76ers more than likely is going to get the fifth seed. Um, they were 7-3 and three right before the lockdown, and they were really clicking. Um, Oladipo was starting to find his rhythm coming back. Turner finally accepted a relegated role in the offense. Mm-hmm. And um, he, was, he was playing great, and Sabonis was playing great. Brogdon was a borderline all-star level. I mean, they were just clicking because at the beginning of the season, you knew it was going to be a three-part season without Victor, Victor getting back into shape on the court, and then with Victor. And now, like, I read something online today. He doesn't even know if he's going to play because he's entering his free agency. Yep, that's a big factor for some of these players, too. That's like a Brandon Ingram or someone who could be making a huge, huge lot of money next year. Do they chance it? Do they go for it? And someone made it, I heard someone make an interesting point. Um, like with COVID-19, is this going to, like, remember the old, what was that, microfabric? Yeah, microfracture, yeah. Yeah, so when that happened, if someone had that, they looked like damaged goods. Do you think, like, these players now, like, Brogdon will be looked at as damaged goods with his lungs? You know, I just don't know. We like, don't know? Yeah, that's what yeah. makes this difficult. Yeah. You just don't know. I mean, I'm really intrigued by them I mean I think they I think McMillan's a little under the radar they have a lot of wings Turner they have bigs with Turner and Sabonis I mean they're plus 3500 to win the um to win the east that number has me a little intrigued I agree that's a good number so I just don't but I haven't I haven't locked it in but out of the future numbers that are out there that number to win the East has me intrigued the most. Yeah, you could absolutely see a way where, you know, if they keep the five seed, they be- beat Miami, um, they, you know, they make they upset Milwaukee. And then it, 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 once, you're, you, once you're there, absolutely, you can beat, you know, a Toronto or a Boston or whoever, you know, would be the other team that you're going to have to play. So it's going to come down to Oladipo with them. Can you, you, you hit on all their other points? They have the pieces with, you know, with Brogdon, with Sabonis. With Turner, they they have guys who can some other wings who can hit shots too that were able to step up when this team was injured throughout the year. They are built if Oladipo is that guy. If he's not that guy, then they're going to be in some trouble. They unfortunately, I think it's been the they've they are one of eight teams to make the playoffs in each of the past four seasons, but they've not won one round. Wow. So that's they, you know, they've get, they've gotten there every year, and every year we look at them, but they are maybe a little banged up or a little bit unlucky, and they again will will hope that Oladipo can be healthy and carry them to a, a playoff win or a round or two this year in the East. Let's get to number six, Philadelphia 76ers. I mean, I thought they were going to be um, awesome this year. I really did. I thought they would be right there with Milwaukee, battling for the best team in the East. And I thought Horford would be a good big man fit next to Embiid Because Horford can stretch it And he can play defense And he doesn't really need the ball in his hand But between the two, between those two bigs and then Simmons 
You get three guys that aren't the greatest shooters in the world. You know, Simmons doesn't shoot at all, and Beat won't mind shooting, but he's not the best. And then Horford is more of a he can stretch the floor, hit it to you know if you need. It, it hasn't been the greatest fit. Now, a couple blessings in disguise for them. This might be the most healthy that we'll ever see Embiid for a playoff run. I mean, with Embiid, has he been working out? Because we know, yeah. There's all these stories coming out about how he makes rookies go get, get him fast food, and he's never. <laughs> been, you, be- like, you, you believe yeah. every story about Embiid just because of the way he is? Like, if you tell me any story yeah. about him, I'm gonna believe it. Oh, I mean, and there was that picture circulating, like he was at the nightclub wearing his jersey. Like, I just don't. I'm not an MB guy. I kind of think the guy's a little how can I, he's not he doesn't take the game serious enough. And I just don't think with him you can win a championship right now. I mean, granted he's still young, he can mature and he can get over that hump. But I just don't think with him him he has that mindset like him and Giannis are kind of relatively close in age. I think Giannis's mindset is completely different than Embiid's mindset. And I don't know what Embiid are we going to get? Is he going to be in shape? Um, and also, there's a lot of tension there. There's all these rumors about him and Simmons not getting along. So I just don't know. Like, they've been away from each other so long. When you come back in that locker room, is there still going to be tension there? Yeah. Um, you, you hit it on the head with Simmons. Um, he had that back injury. That's going to help him. But Hart- Hartford was relegated to the bench. When Simmons got hurt, Al was reinserted back in that starting role and he was playing some of the best basketball. It was better than it was season. all year. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, how is Brett Brown going to manage that? Like, what is he going to do? What's the rotation going to be? And their spacing is just so awful. They really don't, they're missing JJ Redick. They're missing the shooting that they've had before. Um, and also who has the ball at the end well, of the Shamit. Shamit would be great who they got rid of and, and sent to the Clippers. Yeah. He would, he would yeah. be a perfect fit for them right now. Like another three and D guy, guy can, they, you, it, it's, they just have, um, the pieces just don't fit. We, they and it seems like pieces. we've, we've seen, and, and I think that all of the pieces are pretty good individually, but it's like the sum of all the parts is not as good as, as they are equally. If they were all in different situations, I think they would probably be a little bit better. So I'm with you. They just, they're, nothing would shock me with them. Like if they got really hot and won and, and finally things clicked, wouldn't be a big shock. But we've seen and this is the thing with this NBA season. We've seen a big enough sample size to make it difficult to think they're going to be able to flip some kind of a switch when they were just so good at home. They were bad on the road. To me, that's a team that that has some things to figure out. They were so damn bad on the road and so good at home. It it's kind of points to things that you said, maybe about immaturity things for Embiid, or maybe he's not quite a guy you can count on night in, night out. Maybe. Um, so yeah, they're, they're such a polarizing team to talk about, but they, and, I, I could see anything happen with them. And you mentioned their road record. They were 10 and 24 on the road. The Knicks were 10 and 23. So technically the Knicks had a better road record, <laughs> which did. is just amazing. And also is, what do you think of Brett Brown? He, I don't, I don't think he's, I think he's just a guy. I, think I don't think he's a great. And, and so, and, and let's, and let's point out the fact that. We've talked about the coaches of the one, two, three, and four teams at least as being major plus positives for those teams. So you now you're you've got a team that we already have some concerns about, and then when we look at the coaching aspect of it, he's 
maybe what what I would think as just a guy to even a below average coach. Yeah, he's. I always I have my coaches rankings. I always do. I have him really low. He's he's just. I really felt like he they they should have won that series last year against the um, the Raptors. I really felt they should have won that series. Um, and this year with all the locker room, all the distractions, not just having the people on point. And I mean, when you get to this level, it's about managing egos and managing the locker room and being able to X and O things. And I just don't like the way he does any of the three. That's the number six seed. The Philly 76ers are actually tied in the fifth spot with the with the Indian. And as you mentioned, they got a big game. They play right against each other right off the bat. And that'll give one of those two teams a little bit of separation and maybe just a little bit of confidence right away. So we move to the number seven seed, the Brooklyn Nets. They are slightly above the Orlando Magic. Brooklyn is 30 and 34. Orlando is the eight seed. They're 30 and 35. So with Brooklyn... This team is going to look a lot different than the Brooklyn Nets that we saw throughout a lot of the year. We we didn't see a ton of Kyrie. He only played like twenty five games, or uh, but we or he only played twenty games. But he um he's going to be out. Durant's going to be out, and we've also heard that DeAndre Jordan tested positive for the virus. Spencer Dinwiddie tested positive for the virus. So DeAndre Jordan won't be playing. They're still up in the air with Spencer Dinwiddie. They don't know. You know what if he's going to be able to There are a lot of things going on With this team Oh my god and Wilson Chandler's not going to be playing Yep he's out too um, yep. You asked me about bets The only bet I have locked in Right now is I did bet the under 212 because When the Nets play the um, Magic in the first game just because that That's another one of those high stakes games I really feel that game One when they're down there of Orlando, of the Nets versus the Magic is really going to set the tone for what the Nets are going to do. They kind of feel to me like just kind of like a lame duck team. They got rid of their coach, um, Kenny um, Atkinson, yep. who I really feel is a great coach. He's a very good coach, but it was that Kyrie and Durant sort of didn't like him, yeah. which it, it's it stinks. Oh, because they're those guys are more ISO guys, and Atkins... Like Dimwitty thrived, D'Lo last year thrived because Atkins has that um, pick and roll space offense. That's his offense, pick and roll space. And those guys thrived in that. Where Kyrie and Durant, what the ISO, and then they also have God, who's that big guy from Texas guy, Jarrett Allen. Yep. He was starting, and then they fired Atkins, and the very next game, DeAndre Jordan was back into the starting lineup. So I really feel. DeAndre Jordan and those other two, Durant and Irving, played a big part in him getting fired. Um, and so now what's, what stinks about the situation is without a Durant, without a Kyrie, and without a, a, a Jordan, in this case, they would be so much better off having Atkinson than, oh, yeah, than Vaughn. Sure. You, having the better coach who would be better in a situation with guys like this where you don't really have a star, where you need to move the ball around, where you need to spread it out between maybe hopefully Dinwiddie, Levert, some of the other guys on the, on the squad. Now they're going to be in a situation where they don't have the players, the better players, and they don't have the better coach. And then you, they also have one of the most trusted shooters in the game, Harris, who can knock down an open three, who's a great floor spacer. So, I mean, I really just think would they have Jock Vaughn as their coach now? I just really think this is kind of a lame duck season. I mm-hmm. mean, it, it wouldn't surprise me 
if they had because if it's the ninth seed is within the ninth team, the Wizards is, are, is within four games of the eighth place team. They have that playoff series. Yep. It wouldn't surprise me if the Nets actually don't make the playoffs. I would. I wouldn't be shocked either. I wouldn't. I do think, and, and I would not at all because they're just. There's not a lot of positive energy around it, and even all the stuff with Kyrie too is, you know, was really preaching about um, maybe they the, the players in general should boycott. There was rumors about Kyrie wanting to start another league. All these different things. I just don't feel a good energy. They're missing key players. They're missing key pieces. They're having to bring in and sign other players who are going to have to actually play meaningful minutes for them. That haven't been around, that don't know their team, that don't know their system, that don't have chemistry with their players. I'm I'm not high on them at all uh, in this restart and and uh, and you know trying to to make some noise. And it's funny because you know like a month or two ago, some people were thinking that maybe Durant and maybe Kyrie would be able would be to be back. would be back and playing, and that would have made this team really scary um, oh, you know, yeah. as, as a team towards the bottom. But uh, without those two guys, without Chandler, eh, who knows with Dinwiddie, without Jordan, that's. I mean, that's a ton that they they're losing. So uh, the Nets may be in some trouble there because they're only a half a game ahead of the Orlando Magic, who's thirty and thirty five. They will sort of be having a home court advantage. They're not really going to be able to sleep in their own beds, though. They're still going to be in the quarantine. So um, I guess the the whole novelty of of a home court advantage won't really help them. There won't be fans, but they won't be far away from their families and everyone else. Uh, Orlando's interesting. They. The last couple of years, I think you liked them a lot last year, right? Yeah, I hit that big, uh, yeah, big, the big future bet. on them to win the uh, what was it the the sun the whatever division the division the division Atlantic or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they just they're another one where there are a lot of pieces that you see that you like. They just they seem far away. Um, I I don't think these teams these three teams toward the bottom any of the top six teams I could really see in a series beating each other. It wouldn't be a complete surprise. Wouldn't yeah, be like I mean, the biggest shock. I, I, Milwaukee is better, but if for some reason Oladipo carried, you know, them and Indiana beat them or Miami, I we could see ways that they're beat. Yeah. I just don't see Brooklyn, Orlando, or Washington. We'll talk about next being able to to win a series against any. I don't. I think of those top six teams. Oh, Magic! They're, Magic are zero and nine this year against the Bucks, Raps, and Celtics combined. So I mean, I completely agree with you there. Um. I was really disappointed. I really thought Isaacs, Jonathan Isaacs, the kid from Florida State, was really going to take a big step forward this year, and I really didn't see that, so I was really disappointed with that. Um, Evan Fournier, Fournier is finally going to be healthy. He's been nursing the, the elbow injury, and he's kind of the guy who has the ball in his hands for the Magic to close out the games or scoring maker, but I just really don't feel like they have enough scoring. I mean... Yeah. And it's a nice story I, with Fultz. Yeah. He's been playing well for them too. You know, uh, Fultz coming off the bench. Who we he was the the number one overall pick. Who kind of lost his shot and couldn't shoot anymore, and he couldn't shoot free throws. And the, 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 there was a lot of like mental stuff happening with him. And he seemed to rejuvenate and and find it. He actually won a game against the Lakers where he was was awesome. I think he had a triple double. But they just don't seem like they have enough. It does feel like they're they're a team that I think they'll be probably happy to to, to make it just in. Get in. And they may and they may get to the seventh seed. Like I, I would actually bet on them getting the seventh seed over Brooklyn. Yeah. I think, as you said. Um, so then maybe you know they won't. Maybe they can steal a game from a Toronto. Um, in a you know who knows it'll they'll they'll have a better opportunity doing that than than in against Milwaukee. But I I just I can't see it. And I think the same for Washington, who they are five and a half games out of the eighth spot. You mentioned that they need to be within four games of the eighth spot in order for there to be a play in. 
And that play-in would mean that whoever the eighth team was Would need to beat Washington once Washington would need to beat that team Whether it be Brooklyn or Orlando They would have to beat them twice um, In order to get into the playoff and get that eighth spot The the problem with them is we're hearing uh, Davis Bertrands Who is one of those who has a contract coming up He's actually had a really good year He's had some injury issues He's not going to be playing We've heard some rumblings about maybe not Bradley Beal Where they've already ruled John Wall out So if Beal's not playing I mean that's going to be the big key for them If he's in the mix I think in what something that you said I would like them more than the Nets More like I would just like the Nets less than them They They just are Really they look to be one of the worst teams That are are back of these 22 So the problem with them is There's no down spots for them They're not going to catch any down teams Where they'd be able to make up a lot of ground They're going to have tough games night in and night out Oh yeah and I mean it's funny Like they um, One of the books I use five times Came out yesterday with um, the over-unders For the eight games Mm -hmm. And if I knew 100% That Beal was playing I would take the Wizards over two, just because I'm looking at their schedule. Their last two games are against the Bucks and the Thunder. And I kind of really feel like by then, those two teams will kind of be looking to save Especially guys the Bucks. and pre- yeah, prevent injury. Because I think th- those guys are just going to be locked into their seating by then. If I'm the Bucks so, or the Lakers, I'm not playing my guys a whole ton. I'm playing them like maybe every other game or, you know, spurts to get them back into shape. But you don't you don't want Giannis or a Middleton or in the Lakers especially a Davis or a LeBron, they get hurt. They're done. No shot. Yeah. They they so they gotta be very careful. I think the same thing with the Clippers too. I think they're gonna be they like they've been cautious all season. It would be totally anti Clippers to come and, and have Kawhi and Paul George playing in every game when they probably are gonna be locked into a two seed. Oh yeah. So I mean I just think at the end of the Wizards schedule, they're just catching some teams at the right time. Mm-hmm. Plus, they got this Nets team, and God only knows what they're going to be. They could. So the I Nets just, team could not win a game. Yeah, the Nets team could go 0-8 easily. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, the big thing with this team is I really feel Real plays. He was playing at such a high level this year that he could carry this team to the eighth seed. Sure. I mean, granted, they, they could get swept. They probably will get swept by the Bucks, but I just feel that he was They'd playing at such a good level. They'd only need to make up two games. Yeah, and that he could he could do it um losing Birkins because he's such a great floor spacer and he was their second best player really hurts them they have a lot of young guys on the team but who else is going to score that's that's a big concern yeah. for me yeah but I mean if I know with 100% Bradley Beals playing I would take the over two wins in the Orlando yeah, because they might feel if he's playing and they see Brooklyn ahead of them especially if at that point Brooklyn has lost a few games and they got a shot then they're going to really be wanting to win those last few games when the other teams are are probably going to be more checked out in Milwaukee, you know, locked into their number one seed. So, yeah, I don't think when we talk about the West next week, there's more of an opportunity for for teams on the outside to have to to have that play in against Memphis because between the eight and the nine, you know, you have Memphis, Portland, New Orleans, Sacramento, the Spurs, who all mm-hmm. seem like they may they could have a shot to get in, and then there's a lot of happening in the middle. Where you know three through seven with Denver, Utah, OKC, Houston, Dallas, they could all kind of jumble themselves around um, and, and from a seating perspective. So there's more um, more going on, I think, um, from like the middle to the bottom there in the West because it just doesn't feel like in the East. I think we said it a few times. Those top six teams feel like a tier above, and Milwaukee feels like a tier above the two through the the two through six. Yeah, and I mean, I just. 
you, you hit it on the head. I mean, the only really people that I feel could really move is just the Sixers and Pacers. Like, that's the only line mm-hmm. I really feel that could move in the East. I feel yeah, and, and maybe the Nets dropping out. Yeah, or yeah, maybe the Nets yeah. dropping out from the bottom. Yeah. You know, like we said, we don't like the Nets. We could see them dropping out, me them being the eight seed, Washington being the nine, and then losing in the playoff to them. You know, I could absolutely see that happening. But it yeah, the East for the most part feels pretty locked in. And though but that what's what's interesting is that that five six for the one for only really feeling like that that's the the key matchup, that changes so much. Like we said, we, we would completely take different teams based on who matched up with who in those spots. Oh yeah, matchups are huge, and there's no matchups are just going to be so big this year, and this is going to be like something none of us have ever seen. And also, like I really feel something that's not being talked about enough is when we were on lockdown here, people were still going out and breaking the rules. Are the NBA players really going to follow those rules down there? Lillard thinks they're going to break them. I don't know if you heard the his his, uh, uh, his words just a day ago. I think it was a day or two ago. He had said he's worried about. A lot of the players in the league Maybe players on teams that don't have a chance to win And maybe aren't taking it as seriously Teams that are kind of on the bottom end of the playoffs Or maybe they don't feel like You you probably think there are five or six teams That feel like they have a chance to win a title You know, maybe the Lakers, Clippers And one or two other teams in the West Maybe Milwaukee, Toronto, Boston A couple of the teams towards the top of the East But, you know, if you're towards the bottom You probably don't feel like you have a shot If you're someone towards the bottom of the bench On the Brooklyn Nets or the, the Wizards are you and and who knows? Like this has become a political thing too with the the virus and and yeah. it's be, if you're on one side of it and you don't believe what they're telling you, are you going to care to abide by those rules? Lillard yes. said he's scared. He said he's going to oh, yeah. just go from the practices. He's going to bring all of his um, DJ equipment. He's going to bring all of his video games. He said PS3, PS4. He said I'm sitting there by myself. I'm not going to be out at watching the movies with them or eating dinner. He said I'm just nervous to what everyone's going to do. Oh yeah, and I heard an interview with. Um... God, Kenny Smith, and he was happy that TNT's not going down there because he doesn't trust some of the guys he works with. Yeah, so he's actually so that was actually kind of interesting. But let me ask you this: like you and Giannis, your guys' kids are, I think, within a couple months of each other. If yeah. you were in the NBA, would man. you go down there? Man, this would be. Now, let me say this: me personally, I cannot. I I'm someone who had cancer. Oh, I, I and I had long and I had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, and that's one thing too. That that what what for me. So when I look at all of this, there are two things with with my kid, and with that, I have a a, a shitty respiratory system. You know, just a, a bad yeah. immune system. It's just not been good. So I would be one of the people that would be more prone to catching it. So I would not, especially now with the kid, I wouldn't. If I was Giannis or LeBron or one of these other guys, I would probably go if I was. Healthy, I would probably give it a shot, and I would I would see. But man, I I don't I don't judge anybody for not doing it, you know. And, and coming into baseball, like I saw a Dodger Kiki Hernandez yesterday. His wife is now pregnant. They're going to be expecting. Yeah. Is he going to? What is he going to do with his wife? You know what I mean? He's going to bring that to his wife because baseball is not going to be quarantining. They're going to be different. So there are a lot of like. How about I know with the Lakers, they're waiting to hear from Dwight Howard. Yeah, because he has that six-year-old now. Yeah, because his wife, the mother of the one of his kids, died, and now he has to take care of her. So it, you know, we we think about them a lot of times. These these athletes that make millions as just you know basketball player or baseball player or football player. We forget that they've got all the same family issues that we do. You know, we forget that they're husbands and fathers, and we forget about that stuff a lot. So I thought it was kind of like interesting. I mean, like 
because they're everyone's at different stages of their lives. Like the people with kids, like you, that's got to be weighing on you because the families aren't families. I don't think can go down for the first two weeks. No, no. At least they said I think at least till after the first. I think either the playoff start or the first round of the playoff teams are eliminated. It's one of those two. Yeah. So I mean, like being away from your family, not being able to see your family. Yeah. That this is just like a whole different animal that none of us know exactly what they're going to do, and also. Some people feed on the energy. Some people, I don't think, will it will matter to them. Um, one of my betting angles that I loved was always the first half of the game three for the home team. I love yep. that angle. They're going to come and, back firing, and, and that's yeah. kind of—is that even going to be a, a thing now? No, nah, yeah, that yeah. And I mean, like, I know for me, like you asked me about the gambling stuff. My thing is, is when I get word that people aren't playing, like. If, when I got word that like Jordan and Dimwitty may not play, I'm not going to look at spreads because those are going to be the first things to move. I'll look more at um, totals and over-unders yes. and bet yes. the under more. And like my strategy, my strategy going into this was the same thing that I implemented when the EPL came back. I'm going to be betting for the, t- for the first game a lot of first-half unders. Yes. Just because I'm going to bank that they're being – Teams are going to be rusty. They're going to be cautious. Yeah. Yeah. And then if feeling once, it out process. And then with the age we live in now with everything on the internet, you can easily, if the pace is like really high in the first half, you can easily get a high number for a game total and just plug that away. Cause I know like for me in the Bucks games, that's what I basically, I did when I'd go to a game cause they would always be so good in the first half. The live total would get up to like 240, 250. And I would just live bet the, the game total and I would just do it like that. So, I mean, that's something to watch if the pace gets really high at the start of a game. Eric, uh, fun conversation. Part one of our conversation next week, we're going to, uh, reconvene and we're going to talk about the Western conference teams. We'll start with the Lakers. We'll go down to the Phoenix suns. We'll have a little more to talk about as there are 13 teams of the 22 that are going to be coming back in the West. And as we said, there's a little more movement likely in the West with a, a couple different clumps of teams very closely bunched. So they're going to be trying to avoid, but you know, a lot of teams will try to probably be avoiding the one in the two spot. You don't seems like the Lakers and Clippers there just at first glance feel like they're a, a little bit more, a little top tier above everyone else. So we'll have a lot of fun to talk about the West next week, buddy. I appreciate it, man. We, uh, we can talk about everything with you. I, I really enjoy uh, the football conversations. We, you know, we go through every team. We do the same thing here in basketball and uh, give the folks out there some of your social media. Where can we follow along? Your podcast, stuff like that. Um, you can find me at Etoff Two One Sports on Twitter and Instagram. Um, I do a podcast where I just rant about sports twice a week, Monday and Saturdays usually. So I mean, I usually give the link on that on both those platforms. Awesome stuff, man. Thank you very much. Look forward to talking to you again next week. Stay safe out there. Glad to hear things are are moving well and you're uh, you're back working. And thanks again. Hopefully, we'll keep our fingers crossed. If everything goes goes to plan, we could be looking at a July, Eric, unlike any month in sports we've ever had in our lives with, you know, if football is able to come back, if we were able to get college back, if we were able to get basketball and baseball all going at that same time, we'd have a Kentucky Derby in the mix there too. It could be really incredible. Don't forget about MLS and and um, you know hockey. And we we've never had some situation like this where we might have all of the sports going at the same time. Oh, it's going to be great, and it's going to be great for me because I usually shut down stuff for a month after the MLB uh, All Star Game just to re uh, just to rejuvenate energy. Yeah. But you've been able to kind of do that 
for four months now. So I am, I am, re- I was researching uh, German soccer, which I've never watched before. <laughs> and so it's just so much more fun when we're able to talk conversations about these uh, basketball teams that we know or these football teams that oh, we know. Yeah, sure. Eric, man, thank you so much, buddy. You have a, a great weekend. I look forward to talking to you next week about the West. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. That's Eric. You heard uh, all the ways you can find him and follow online. Don't go anywhere, folks. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to hear from one of our sponsors. We will be right back on That's What G Said. One of the sponsors of That's What G Said podcast is Cindy Carava, full-service realtor. And I am here over in Glendora at Coldwell Banker with Cindy Carava. Cindy, how was 2019 for you? Tell us uh, a little bit about what, uh, what kind of stuff you were working on. Hi, Gino. Thanks for having me. Uh, 2019 was just really great. Uh, I had a great year uh, selling homes all the way from Altadena, Arcadia, Monrovia, out to Upland and Ontario just recently. Um, The market has has been uh, really good. Um, We're looking forward to 2020 with an increase in home prices about 5.8% this year, opposed to last year where it was a little softer. We saw uh, more like homes averaging about 3.5% in increase in value. Um, It's also looking great for buyers. Uh, The interest rates right now are going to be staying under 4%. So if you've been on the fence about thinking about buying a home, Home, now is the time to do so with interest rates still staying low. And you offer more services than just the buying, selling, and leasing homes. Tell us about some of the other services that you offer and what a full service realtor really is. So you're right, Gino. Besides me being uh, a full-service realtor of uh, finding properties for my clients to buy or selling their homes or finding rentals for them, um, I also have a plethora of resources like uh, handyman, contractors, electricians, plumbers. Uh, I even, if like I said, if you're thinking about getting a home loan, I actually work with two great lenders that I can recommend to anybody. And you're all over the internet, social media, websites. Let us know some of the places where we can find you. I know I've seen some reviews on Yelp and on Zillow. They, everyone always has positive things to say. Everybody hears me raving about you all the time. But where can uh, everyone else find out information about you or contact? Thank you, Gino. Yeah, I am on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn. Um, and uh, you can contact me on my website, which is www.cindycarava.com. Or my email, which is cindyc.realtor at gmail.com. Or feel free to call or text me on my cell phone, which is 626-394-6400. Cindy is awesome. She's one of the kindest and most genuine people I've ever met. I promise you, you will enjoy every minute you interact with her. So thank you very much, Cindy. Uh, Appreciate all of your support from That's What She Said podcast. Thank you, Gino. Have a great day, everyone. A big thank you to Eric. Love talking sports with Eric. He's a really sharp gambler, sharp handicapper. You heard him in all of our football discussions where we go through every team. He knows basketball very well. Also, make sure to give him a follow. Check out some of his thoughts on his podcasts. And uh, he likes to share a lot of them online, social media, Twitter, Instagram. Real, real sharp guy. Big thank you to Eric. Let's go from one interview to the next. We'll go from Eric to Craig Milkowski, and we're going to go through the Saturday five graded stakes races at Belmont Park. It's a big, big Saturday. I honestly think that the Met Mile looks like the best race we've seen this year. It is so deep. There are six legitimate horses that can win that race, three horses that are going to vie for favoritism as the top, top tier. Really, really thought this was a good 
card on Saturday at Belmont Park. Big thanks to Craig Milkowski for joining us as we go through the stakes races on Saturday. Big weekend of racing this Saturday We have uh, five graded stakes races Over at Belmont Park And whenever we have a, a big racing weekend One of our favorite folks to talk to In the world of horse racing Good friend of the show Craig Milkowski from Time Forum US Craig, how you doing, buddy? Uh, I'm doing well It's a little hot here in Oklahoma City Been like yesterday was face-melting hot So I refuse to go outside today so far But I think it's similar But Otherwise, things are good. Just laying low, trying to stay safe uh, with this COVID-19 stuff. Uh, Getting kind of hot and heavy here. I know depending on where you are in the country, it's a little different scenario, but it's definitely amping up here. So we're just staying safe and trying to enjoy as much horse racing as possible. Yeah, fingers crossed that everything... Um, in the other sports world continues to uh, to move forward and progress and hopefully we can have some baseball and basketball and football um, hockey is uh, soccer all hoping to get back uh, and up and running but we'll, we'll we'll see we have to keep our fingers crossed and hope everything is a uh, is health permitting one thing that's been nice though Craig is we've had horse racing to continue to roll along and I mean over the last few weekends we've seen some really good performances in a lot of the top tier graded stakes races but since the tracks opened back up, it seems like it's been a little more chalky because they've been able to spread themselves out again. It does feel like this Belmont card this weekend, you, we actually have, I think, some pretty meaty races where we have ra- fields where there are, are legitimate horses, a couple of contenders in each of them. This, to me, feels like one of the better cards that, that we've had in the last at least month or so as far as a, a little more depth. Yeah, it does. It feels like to me, particularly in the last four, not so much yeah, the first yeah. race we're going to talk about, but I really do think I would be surprised if we get a chalk fest like Completely we've seen agree. on a couple, a couple of the days. I, I think there's some really wide open races, and I think there's going to be so, some good bets to be made. Now, as you well know, sometimes you make good bets and, and don't win, but hopefully if that is the case, it won't be because you're constantly losing the three to fives mm-hmm. and four to fives and, and six to fives that you look at and think there's no way this horse is six to five and they beat you anyway but i really don't think that's the case i'm pretty excited for this saturday yeah me too me too i i actually wasn't even really expecting it to be this this good when i was you know the last couple weeks leading up to it but the fields in particular the met that we're going to talk about in a minute excellent i just want to mention one thing too uh stable duel for those of you who don't know stable duel it's a fantasy horse racing they've had a couple Launches before where they've had some free games out They're actually starting back up this weekend They have games on Friday Games on Saturday and a couple of their contests are for Belmont on Saturday so I'm going to have a um, A segment later and I'm going to do A little video where we go through building A lineup show you how to do the process it's like a Kind of like you do for a DraftKings or a FanDuel Where you have to uh, massage Horses around in the salary cap so you Can't just pick the favorite in every race Because you, you won't be able to do that they're the most expensive Horses so they do have one of those contests For the Saturday Belmont card I think Think you can get involved for 10 bucks and then there's another one for 25 Friday Belmont they have for five bucks so keep an eye on that all weekend when you're looking at the races uh, I'll have uh, some stuff out and so if you're someone who doesn't have a ton of money maybe you can't play every race or it's uh, in between pay weeks or things are tight and you just have a little this will be fun because you can get some action all day long Craig and I are going to talk about the, the graded stakes races we'll just quickly hit on the third Craig we have a super what looks like to be a super heavy favorite in Frank's Rockhead who's three to five on the morning line and from a pure like pace perspective and a class perspective, she really has done very little wrong. She's quick. She draws the rail, so y- you know she's going to have to go. And then there's no other speed in here. I guess the only concern would be, can she go six and can she win going six and a half? Her 
Her three losses have all been when she was racing Beyond six furlongs This is a great spot for her though To try to beat a field going a little bit longer Yeah I have a hard time seeing her losing Uh, She's three to five on the morning line I doubt you're even going to get that Uh, As a speed figure guy Her last race she ran a 116 Uh, Nobody else in this field has has even hit over 101, I think it is. So that's about as big a gap as you're going to get. Uh, she's projected on, on our pace projector where we predict where the horses are going to be early to have a clear early lead, no pressure. So this is about as solid a favorite as you're ever going to see. It's not a race I'm going to be interested in, but it, it's the kind where I think if you go against the one horse, you're just hoping for something crazy to happen because there's nothing on, on paper that, that's going to point to anyone else, in my opinion. That's the problem. I like, as a horse, I like Reagan's Edge. I think she's a nice filly who's coming into her own. She hasn't really done a whole lot wrong in her three starts. She uh, was able to get a, a victory last time out in a fine um, allowance race at Churchill. And she has... Some kind of positional speed But if there was some other horse in here That could that was really quick that could help soften up Frank's Rockette I would look to play Reagan's Edge a little bit more I just don't think I think they're all just going to be in chase mode Here Craig so it's just hard to really We always want to try to beat the, the Short price favorites but I think they probably Put this race early on the card for that reason They feel like she's going to be a tough one to beat In here that's Frank's Rockette in the third If you're trying to beat her for me it would be Reagan's Edge the center aisle is the 1.5 million dollar purchase She was impressive in her debut But then in her second start she was really slow um, And the winner sat Close like the race shape was against her But she she wasn't really impressive I I that left a lot, a lot to be Desired I think she would really need a form Reversal and she would get she would Need to sit really close to try to beat Frank's Rockette so yeah I, I don't Think we're going to need to get too cute in this third Yeah, and these are three-year-olds. It's usually the kind of races where I'm looking for horses that are going to jump up because you you expect them to change and to improve as time goes on. And maybe some others like Frank Rocket have peaked, but they haven't, you know, developed any. So you're looking for others to catch them. But for me in here, the gap is just too big. Even if some did improve, given the pace advantage. Yeah, that's the the key. It's the pace advantage. Like you just nailed it. It's like from the rail. With that speed, with nobody else in here That looks like they have the opportunity to go And press her, it's just going to be really tough to beat Frank's Rockette, I guess For me it would be Reagan's Edge as the other one If you're looking for uh, the bomber, if you're trying to get a little contrarian Let's get to race number 8 We have a what I think is a really solid uh, All stakes pick 4 that starts in race number 8 And it begins with the poker And and this race is interesting, Craig I, I think, I guess from a, a talking perspective We can start with, with Got Stormy The mayor, who was so good you know, most of 2019, she has beaten the boys before. She is a multiple grade one winner. She was a good second in the Breeders' Cup mile. And even, you know, just two starts back in the kill row, she was a good second and she was behind River Boyne and she was behind the boys uh, that day. But she has two races this year that are very flat, that are, that are just, you know, kind of head scratchers. That Endeavor wasn't great. I guess we can give her a, a pass for that. And she did face a tough group in the bogey. That was, you know, probably tougher than a grade three, as it looks. I, I have some mixed feelings with her. I'm not, I'm not quite sure what to do with her in this spot. Yeah, for her, I talked about this race. You know, I do the forecast with David mm-hmm. Aragona, which will be out. We talked about the same races. So if people want to listen and hear David's perspective as well, uh, it, it's always good to hear the interaction there. Yep. Um, I'm mixed on Got Stormy. I I actually am not as negative as most people are. And for me, it's just going to come down to price. If she's 7-2, to as David has her pegged on the morning line, 
I would better because I, I, agree. I think people yes. were jumping ship a little bit too quick. I get the Tampa race wasn't good. There's no doubt about that. But I thought she ran well in California. Yeah, I agree. It, it was a great one. She got beaten neck. Uh, you know, maybe you would expect it a little better. She was even money that day. But I don't think the last race was as bad as people were making it out to be. She chased a very good rushing fall that day. And that chase position is just one that I absolutely hate when I bet on a horse. Mm-hmm. You either want to be the leader or maybe tucked in behind, sitting behind. Being that second horse chasing a horse on a clear lead just never seems to work out very well, unless you're just a really superior horse, which he certainly is not the rushing fall. The fractions were quick, so I'm not ready to give up mm-hmm. on her. If she goes off eight to five, and, and you know, then so be it. I, I'm not going to bet her. But if she's anywhere near that seven to two morning line, I, I would like her quite a bit, to be honest. This is quite a drop in class from what she's been facing. As you say, that Bogey rushing falls a great one. Uh, yes. I can't remember if she's four or five. So Philly or Mayor, whatever it is, uh, whichever it is, she is now and. You know, that that was a tough race, and this is a drop in class. These, uh, she's facing a lot of four-year-olds who are moving up and, and could be better, but we don't know for sure. They haven't run near as fast as she has. So, again, it'll come down to value. If I had to look for some others in here, I would focus on a couple of the four-year-olds. Uh, obviously, the morning line favorite value proposition. I don't want to overlook him, and he he's a good example of what I'm talking about as a uh, three-year-old. Scale his best speed figure ever was a 112, and that was in his last race back in July. He came back this year in June, and he ran a 118, which for me, that's expected. I don't expect these horses to to run a 112 when they're still maturing like he is, and he actually paid a good 9-2 to two that day, which was pretty much a, a big surprise for me. Um, and there's other four-year-olds in here as well. There's Eons, who's coming off a long layoff and is a big price, and his trainer is really specializes off the layoff, uh, Andre Delacour, he, or Arno Delacour. He has uh, really good ratings. He's a hundred on our zero to a hundred with horses coming off a of layoffs. Um, valid point, similar story. Yep. Uh, he ran, he was undefeated for the first three or four races in his career before he tried older, had a lot of trouble in that great mm-hmm. one Chadwell and actually ran a really good race that day. If I had to make a second choice, a point for me and similar to got stormy. If he gets lost in the wagering and is four or five to one, I would happily bet this horse. Yeah, I think for for me, you you hit up most of them. The two valid point would probably be the horse I would lean towards. I think with the with just the assumption, and it's something that you hit on too when you can project the improvement from a for a horse when the first time you know four, and especially for a horse like a Chad Brown horse who we don't worry about the layoff with at all. You know, other barns we might think, yeah, maybe their second or third start off of a long layoff they'll improve, but not not with this barn. This this guy could come out firing. And same thing if the if valid point or got stormy. It was around 7 to 2 That would feel like a very very fair price um, Because I think You also had another good point This is a race with a lot of question marks It does feel like more of a, a G3 type G2 race This is not like a grade 1 race Like some of the races that Stormy uh, Has been coming out of So if she is Pretty close to her top level And if she is 3 to 1 ish I'm going to have a hard time leaving her out I kind of feel the same way with Valid Point Those are my top two 
Um, I, I guess from a price standpoint, one one horse I'd like to mention. I think Seismic Wave is the horse who could at least hit the board underneath. Um, can come flying with Joel. This horse was dead last. Was about twelve lengths off. Angled out widest of all at the top of the lane and was in like the six path of the the middle of the racetrack, closing really really well. Now has that race under um, his uh, his belt. He's going to be able to take a little step forward. So yeah, I. I I feel like the two and the and, and and got stormy for me would be the top tier. I think the four is a price. Uh, you mentioned eons as a as an interesting price too, as well as a you know the live value proposition on the outside. So again, we're looking at this race and compared to some of the races we've had the past few weekends, this isn't a race where people are going to be able to single. You know, right now with the with both the Chad Browns with Got Stormy, most people who are just playing small or you know even formful favorite type tickets are going to be two or three deep here. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I do want to mention the one horse I don't particularly care for in here is Social Paranoia, and mm-hmm. he's pretty low on the morning line at four to one. And he's a horse who three back. He he ran that big looking visual race to win the Appleton at Gulfstream. But for me, he got the the dream setup of life that day. Just an absolute perfect pace setup, good trip, and he still didn't run particularly fast. Uh, he did have that same improvement I mentioned as a three year old. He was a horse running in the the low one ten. You know, maybe 112, and he popped that day with a 117. But he's had a couple races since then. He hasn't run particularly well at, at shortish like prices, and I just think he's a horse who we probably saw his ceiling that day in Appleton, and I don't think it's good enough to win here. That is race number eight, the poker, the Grade Three poker on Saturday at Belmont Park on the Fourth of July card. We move to race number nine, and this so far, I mean, so far this year. And I think we were thinking this was the case last year with the Met, and this is the this was generally the case with this race for many years, Craig. Because what it what it would do is with the mile and the one turn mile at Belmont, you would get the combination of those horses that were really good sprinters that would try to stretch out. You'd get the good milers, and then you'd get the horses that were maybe more classic distance horses that would turn back to run in this big big race. It was always this combination of of different horses, and it, it kind of really looks like that this year with. You know, three legitimate horses that are that are going to vie for favoritism, and then I know a horse that you've mentioned a couple times that you like. I think could get a great trip in here, Mister Freeze. You have an up and coming endorsed Warriors Charge with really good speed to the outside. This is a legitimate horse race. Yeah, this is almost like an old school Met Mile. It, mm-hmm. It's kind of not a standalone, but it, it's the feature today. Uh, not like uh, the Belmont, you know, when it gets moved to the Belmont card, it kind of loses it, not loses its appeal. It's a great race, but it gets the focus. I think a race of this class deserves it. Yes. The only thing missing for old school guys like me is a three-year-old or two, because this yeah. race used to, used to draw a lot of three-year-olds because they get a big weight break, weight break and, yep. and several of them won, but Regardless, it, even without that, it, it's a fabulous race on paper. Like you said, you have horses like Code of Honor and McKenzie who have done well at longer distances. You have horses like Mr. Freeze, Vacoma, who was kind of that exciting three-year-old uh, horse last year. Didn't really, you know, his career, uh, year didn't pan out the way they like, but he's come out a, as a ball of fire. And it's just a really deep, good race. It's hard to almost throw any of the horses. It really out, is. Uh, it is. Uh, you know, you could make a case even for a long shot like Network Effect, or I would have trouble with Hog Creek Hustle, but yeah, I, I could see somebody thinking the there's a meltdown. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He yeah. Could- He'll definitely be passing a couple horses late, I would think, at the very least. But as you hinted out, the horse 
for now, you know, depending uh, on the mo- if the morning line is accurate, is I like Mr. Freeze. Uh, he's run some really fast races this year at Gulfstream. He was second in that Pegasus World Cup behind Mucho Gusto. Really impressive in the Gulfstream Park Mile. And then he went to Oakland. He was a little disappointing that day, but uh, I'll be honest, I absolutely hated the ride he got that day from Joe yes. Talamo. This is a speed horse. Why he was so far back on a mile and an eighth. I mean, he didn't break great, but it just seemed like he kind of accepted that position and lost the race at the start. And I thought he still ran on to be well to be third that day, but he draws a really good post here on the outside. He can kind of sit out, see what's going on. He'll probably lay just off a warrior's charge who is a quick one. And if he's anywhere near the eight, the one morning line, he will be my key and vertical bets for sure. I love him in this spot today, Craig. Too. I think he's just in a really, really good spot, and he's going to be even if he's going to be five to one at least. He's not going to get hammered with the other horses in this race, so you're going to get a good price on him. He, he, you mentioned the the difference for him for me is getting back to a mile. Some of those races where he ran really well going a mile and an eighth, and look who he's behind. He's behind Tom's D. Todd, who's the you know the best older horse in training right now. He's behind by my standards and Warriors Charge last time, and you, you just hinted on it. He was he was close enough early, but then a couple other horses went. He kind of got in tight, so he ends up taking back a little bit, and he takes back two lengths, and then you kind of get stuck, and you get shuffled, and you're not dictating your own race. You're just kind of at the mercy of waiting for room, hoping other things happen. By the time he got a chance to run, he was never going to get to buy my standards or Warrior's Charge, and I, I think even at a mile and an eighth, it's it's tough for him to make up ground late there. I think this is a really, really good spot for him. He's multiple graded stakes winner. He's multiple grade one placed. I think at the mile, I really think he can compete with the big boys. If this was going an eighth, mile and an eighth, mile and a quarter, I'd be a little more concerned. I think this could be the distance could really be the the equalizer here for Mr. Freeze. Love him in this spot. But I mean, we have to mention, you know, some of the other really live contenders. I think we had um I think we disagreed last year on McKinsey's trip because I thought that he was gonna win that race, if not for some trouble. Um he ran into a an awesome Matoli who had a great year last year, but no no matter what, he still ran pretty damn well. And that was on a string of races where he just continues to fire and get big speed figures. When you look back at McKinsey, I know a lot of people have kind of not Treated him like a top tier horse But he's done very little wrong in his career He's been in the exact he's, he's had two bad races The Breeders Cup Classic and the Saudi Cup We could really excuse the Saudi Cup with the travel And then you know the Breeders Cup in uh, You know as a, a younger facing A three year old facing older We can obviously uh, give him an excuse there too So he's a horse that's really tough to knock And this mile should be perfect for him yeah, I don't think we disagreed as much as you remember. I, I only bring this up because I actually had a discussion on Twitter about it today because it's one of That's those funny. races that, that people won't forget. I don't think, I mean, I think he would have won with a clean trip. I just don't think that meant he was necessarily the best horse. Okay. Be- because sure. if he got through, then you say, well, he got a dream trip while Matoli was pressing a really fast pace. And, you know, maybe he I agree with him that. a half length or a length. So I agree I'm just that. saying it could go either way. But, yes. that you know, that's part of when you don't have as much early speed. You, you have to deal with traffic. Mm-hmm. Uh, that said, let's move on to this year, which actually matters and things we're yep. going to bet on. Uh, <laughs> McKenzie, I got to tell you, I have some question marks on him this year. Uh, I don't think his last couple races have been particularly good. Uh, Obviously, in Saudi, he didn't run very well. But his return race and the triple bend, I mean, he beat absolutely nothing in that field. It was a horrible field that day. The pace was really slow. And he just ran okay. Um, 
Can he rebound and run and be the same McKenzie we saw at four years old? Sure. I mean, he's Bob Baffert trained. The guy knows what he's doing. He's he's not going to throw a horse in the Matt Mile just, just for the fun of competing. So if that McKenzie shows up, he's clearly the horse to beat. But at a short price, I don't think that's a given by any means. And he's probably a, of the big three names in here, the one I would least prefer and weight the least heavily if I was going to play pick fours and pick fives. Uh, I have been very impressed with Vacoma this year. Something my, my podcast partner David pointed out today is how both races this year he's broke like an absolute shot. So that inside post might not be too bad of a deal for him, even if he doesn't outrun the early, um, you know, Mr. Freeze and Warriors charge early. He should be able to get pretty good positioning yeah. behind them. So I fully expect him to run a good race. Uh, that You know, it, the only thing that would keep me from betting him again is is the short price where I think he'll be underlaid just because the competition's so deep. But he's done ab- absolutely nothing wrong this year. That 124 he ran on my speed figures last time is just a couple points below the what Mr. Freeze has run, three or four points below his his average good race. So he has every right to win this race. And Code of Honor, I mean, how can you knock him? Uh, he hasn't done much wrong in his career. He looked really good in his return race, uh, running down endorsed, who kind of got away from him a little bit. But And, and even endorsed is a good one. I don't want to slate him up if yeah. people want to use him at a price. But Code of Honor does turn back a little in distance. Uh, he's done okay at a mile before. He won the Dwyer. I think he even he won his debut at six furlongs, so he can certainly handle shorter distances. Uh, so I got no concerns about him either. I would certainly use all of them in limited uh, or in some degree on, on my horizontal tickets. And as a fan, you know, I'm a better like you. I, that's the main reason I'm playing the game. It's a reason I make figures. But even th- this is a race I'm going to enjoy as a oh, spectator man. as well. Me too. I can kind of split those things apart. And uh, I can lose money on a race and still enjoy it. And this could very well be one of them. Yes, I agree. I mean, we went through everybody like, and the, and the horses that we probably wouldn't mention, at least for me, that wouldn't, I would be a little more surprised if they won, would be Network Effect. He's got to improve a little bit in here, but he's he's not exactly a horse who's done a whole ton wrong in his career. And Hog Creek Hustle would probably be a horse that could run on late for a, a minor award. But I mean, everyone, even Warriors Charge, good speed on the outside. What I like about Warriors Charge is, you know what you're going to get with him, Craig? He's going to go. He doesn't really get cute, and with the outside draw, I'm sure they're just going to send. They're going to roll away from the outside. That's one thing that uh, Giroux does really, really well, get a horse out front, slow them down. He, I think he would have the opportunity to beat a group like this if he can clear off by a length. You know, you talked about the big three with Vacoma, with McKenzie, with Code of Honor, endorsed on the up and up right now. He's become really good in his last few. He wasn't beating a whole lot in the big cap, and then, since changing barns, he he ran that really good race at at, at Oaklawn where he beat a nice field and that al- that was like a, a stakes race that optional claimer that he beat at Oaklawn and then came back and gave endorsed uh, gave Code of Honor everything he could. I, I think this is a fun race to handicap and uh, it it marks is another one where as a better if you like Vacoma if you like you know um, Code of Honor if you like Mister Freeze and. You know, you feel like you can go maybe one too deep in here or take a stand with a single. That would be great. But I don't think most people are going to be able to single in a spot like this. That's what makes these sequences and these these uh, stakes races better when you know there's not just one horse everyone's going to be focusing on. 
Right. And I do just want to mention one one point you brought up about the Oakland races. I mean, it's not a big secret. I see plenty of th- people talking about it, but they really are better than they look at paper on paper just because the competition was so deep in all those races. There were so many allowance races that were basically graded stakes races, grade threes that were grade ones. You know, I mean, just when you really dug through the field and knowing you had to beat 10 or 11 horses as opposed to six or seven makes a big difference. And those Oakland horses have been winning all over. They've been winning at Churchill. They win in New York. Wherever they show up, they're really tough to deal with because they're battle-hardened and ready and just, you know, total fitness. If they ran well there, they are just top horses right now in top form. It's at all levels, too, Craig. Um, I'm seeing it because I'm playing the Canterbury pick fives now, the low takeout pick fives over there. So I'm looking at the, that at least a couple times a week and playing, and you'll get the horses that come from Oakland from really low-level claimers, and they go and they race against some higher level over at Canterbury, and people see the the level of horses on paper, and these horses are middle middle price horses. They're not getting hammered at the windows either. That's the key. They're not bet down always. We're not talking about short price horses. And they're winning, you know, 6250, 8000 claimers at Oakland were deep deep races cuz horses had to drop down, there were nowhere else to run, they were coming in from all over. It worked out at on all levels. So, uh, make sure to key on don't don't look at a race automatically and see, oh, it wasn't a, a G2 or a G1 or a G3 and then think it wasn't as tough as some of the other races. Just look take a couple minutes, look into the charts, see who was in that race and then sometimes you're going to go, "Wow, these were really really strong groups." Let's get, yeah, let's that, get to that's the, a, a yeah yeah. We're just one thing. I mean, you can look at a running line and see a horse finish six, beat Nick Lentz, and just dismiss it. But if you do that with that those Oakland races, you're asking for trouble because there's a lot of good performances back that far. We get to the Manhattan, the Grade One Manhattan, going a mile and a quarter, and Chad Brown is going to try to get a Grade One here with Instilled Regard, who. I remember, you know, liking him early on in his three-year-old season, and he went down to the fairgrounds, and he was a little disappointing. And then he ended up running fourth in the Derby, going a mile and a quarter. That was the only other time he's gone a mile and a quarter, and he didn't run poorly that day behind Justify on Good Magic and Audible. Now, he, you know, he switched over to the grass, and he's been pretty good. Multiple graded stakes winner on the turf. I do think he got a pretty good ride and a pretty great trip last time out. The question marks with him, can he get the grade one going a mile and a quarter, you know, a, get this caliber going this long, I, I don't know, and at a short price. To me, I, I'm okay playing against him in here. I think there are other ways to go. Yeah, I, I don't have any really knocks on him, uh, as we've talked about in other races, but I don't think he's going to be the value that you're looking for. And there's, this is actually a race where I do have a pretty strong opinion on a price horse, and that's the three-horse cross-border. Yep. You, you know I'm a speed guy. It's just hard for me to look through this field and not see him alone on the lead uh, easily. Uh, he's with trainer Mike Maker, who loves the, these kind of distances. Even longer, the better. Uh, but a mile and a quarter should be right up this horse's alley. I, I'm going to overlook that last race where he lost the value proposition at just a mile. I think it was just a prep race, and he ran well that day anyway. But he's a horse who's really been improving of late, and it's just hard for me to get past the speed edge he yeah. has over this field. He's 10 to 1 on the morning line. It's a bunch of plotters in here. There's not even a whole lot of uh, There's no rabbit speed or, or right. anyone like that. Yeah, and, and there's yeah. not there's nobody where you like there's not a, th- a another Chad Brown who we think is going to be on the front end. They they don't have as much speed. They're just horses, you know, we're talking about instilled regard, rock emperor, devamani. They want to come from way out of it. Or middle of the pack at, at the most So I, 
if he's good enough to beat a group like this, this is the this is the spot, Craig, because he's going to have lengths on the field. He can absolutely steal it. He's got the race under his belt. And again, you look at the people look at the race and go, oh, okay, he's stepping up from that race, but he's stepping. He he faced value proposition, who is a legitimate graded stakes type horse. So again, look into who he was defeated by last time out. Um, yeah, I think he he's he's one that I have to use in all of my exotics. I did think the two um, of the Browns, I. I I probably like the the most. This this is a race that would meet for me personally as a better. I just um I got to roll my eyes on because I needed I bet Devamani and Dot Matrix big last time in both of their races and they both come closing late and so I look at them this time and I just go oh no I can't come back to either one of them and I don't know what with their running style that's what, that what is what makes this race difficult Craig is a, we said there's no speed on paper so for some of these horses who want to come from way way out of it they could be up against it in here. Yeah, they could for sure. I was with you on Devamani. I don't remember if I yeah. bet they thought Matrix or not, to be honest. But I remember Devamani because that, that was kind of a painful one. But, you know, he was second best that day, in my mm-hmm. opinion. And still yeah. regard just out-tripped him, but was probably a little better. Uh, but you never like to lose a close race like that on a 9-1. to one. But I'm with you. It's just hard to see. Now, I know cross-border, he had a couple races back in the Fort Lauderdale. He didn't run particularly well where he set a slowish pace, but that was only at a mile and an eighth. Uh, he had some races last year that were pretty darn good. If you watch a replay of the Hearst Classic, he was, for some unknown reason, just strangled back in that grade one, fought the rider, and still only lost two lengths. I thought he ran really well, so I'm looking for a big one for him. The horse I I really want to avoid in here is Sadler's Joy. Uh, He's a horse I divorced a while ago. (laughs) I got sucked into him a few times, but especially at this shorter distance, he's just one that always seems to take money, but I have no one for his last 14. One for his last 14 yeah he just doesn't win a ton anymore like he plods and and he's the kind of horse who and i've known listening to you guys like david like david talks about him because as a trip player he's the type of horse you want to make excuses for a lot because he gets himself into some trouble or he has had some some tough compromising trips the races against zulu alpha weren't the best of trips for for him and so every you it's like we watch his races and you can build a case for him to come back every time and if he was the the best version of himself in here I think he would he would dust this group Like some of his better races Are classy enough to probably handle this group Easy but you just never know with him It's it's just so hard to take You know three to one on a horse Who just likes to Come up and run for a minor award um, I let's see I, yeah so I was with Rock Emperor cross border um, To me I think those are the two Horses that I'm going to kind of play around the most with I'm, I'm assuming just like you said cross border Gets the lead I, I liked Rock Emperor's race last time out I, th- I think he and, and Irad kind of thought they were going to win and blow right by And then United just, just kind of dug in and, and then Rock Emperor had that issue and was disqualified But he ran pretty well um, all, all things that And that was his first start in a few months I wouldn't be shocked to see him I kind of prefer him to instill regard But um, I, this race is very important as far as cross-border is concerned He's going to be on all of our tickets, Craig Yeah I'm not a big fan of Rock Emperor. I don't like the Southern California turf division, especially at those longer. Yeah, I was very disappointed he wasn't able to win that race. Uh, But, you know, it's Chad Brown. He's going to get a good trip. He's going to save ground and come running late. But he's one I'd play against personally. But if he beats me, you know, it won't won't surprise me. Yeah, if you're not using or behind cross-border, if you're playing other kind of exotics, who would be one or two of the other horses you would include? 
Well, I would still use Instilled Regard. I, I'm not totally writing them off. Maybe I'd use Devamani a little bit. And at a price, I would probably use Spooky Channel. On a, yeah. a speed figure perspective, he's not far off these at all. He's right there with a horse like Instilled Regard. Uh, I think his race two back in the Pan American, that's just too far for him. Uh, maybe a mile and a quarter is too, but it's not a mile and a half. I, I think he'll certainly run better. Uh, he has won at a mile and a half, but I'm talking about in grade one competition like mm-hmm. this. But I, I think it could fit, you know, with this uh, kind of pace. He's versatile. He's the kind that could sit second or third, just a couple lengths off of it and still make a late run. So at a price, he would be the one I'd throw in. Okay. And uh, race number 11, I believe we have another one of your uh, divorcees with uh, Tacitus, right? Here's <laughs> uh, the, the horse that is uh, one of the more polarizing horses out there. He's He's probably not quite been talked about as much as Hidden Scroll lately, just because Tacitus hasn't been a at, he hasn't been around. He's been a little out of sight, out of mind. But now the blinkers come on. He draws the rail, going a mile and a quarter in the suburban. From a class perspective, the races that he comes out of and his best races are better than the best horses in here. But we just he's the kind of horse that we just never know. He he generally doesn't run bad. He just doesn't win. And he's he's a, a a really interesting horse. Anytime he's in the entries to talk about, so let's start with Tacitus. What do you do with him here? I I mean maybe I'll use him defensively as a, a C. You know, if I get right with some prices in the other three legs, because you like freeze I, I don't and cross border, maybe Tacitus. you can. Yeah, if right. you get those two home, you want to make sure you got this race wrapped up. Right, but he would not be a focus of mine. The blinkers on, I, I think that's a bad sign. To be honest. Uh, his last wins, it's hard to believe he hasn't won since the Wood Memorial. Yeah. But, you know, he wasn't wearing blinkers in. They tried him as an experiment a couple times last year. Didn't work. Came back without him this year. He hasn't run well. Putting them back on. So, to me, it just feels like some guessing, even by a Hall of Fame trainer like Bill Mott. And at the end of the day, his two races this year just haven't been very good. Uh, the Saudi race was nothing great. He was just kind of meandered around the track mid-pack didn't really do any running I guess you could make an excuse at Oakland that he was wide and lost some ground but to me there just wasn't anything there uh he he's not a horse that you know he just seems like he's okay I, I can't bet him at a short price I guess some people will like the mile and a quarter he draws inside but I'm gonna try to beat him uh, the obvious horse although I wind up going in a different direction to start with I think is Mr. Buff because he does look like he's going to be lone on the lead. Maybe he'll get challenged a little by Moretti. Uh, our pace projector doesn't show it. My my partner, David Aragona, on the podcast doesn't think he's near fast enough. But he's really the only hope. But uh, he ran a monster figure, too, back on my numbers. Uh, I think it was a 136 that day when he won by 20 lengths in a New York bread stakes race. Uh, he came back uh, just a couple weeks ago, I think it was, maybe three weeks ago. Yep. He wasn't able to make the lead, was beaten by Funny Guy that day going just a mile. But he still ran pretty well, got a 125 time form U.S. speed figure. But as much as I like Mr. Buff and I really would like to see him get the win, this is where this would, as a fan, if he wins, great. Good for Mr. Buff. Especially like a two to one. Right. If he's six to one, you're you're including him. But when he's that short, I'm completely with you. I'm not... I'm fine with playing against Tacitus and Mr. Buff both in here. 
Yeah, and at a mile and a quarter, he's just, I, I'm not convinced he's a mile and a quarter horse. So I'm going to side with a horse that I think is a mile and a quarter horse. His form's a little bit dirtied up of late. His figures don't look great, but that's last year's Belmont winner, Sir Winston. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's sitting on a big race. I, I don't think he particularly cared for that slop last time out. He was chasing a loose on the lead, Moretti. He was coming off that COVID-19 layoff. I'm sure there were probably some plans for a race in there in the interim that he didn't get to run in. But we know he's going to like the distance. Uh, Mr. Buff, even though he may be lone on the lead, he doesn't set tepid paces when he's out there by himself. He goes pretty quick, so anybody chasing him is probably going to really have to work. And I just think Sir Winston's sitting on that big race. Things are going to set up well for him, and he would be my top pick in here for sure. And I'm going to lean on him really heavy in pick fours. I'm going to use six, seven, and eight in in the exotics in here. I'm fine with taking swings against uh, Tacitus and, and Mr. Buff. To me, I, I do think Sir Winston is absolutely the horse to beat. No doubt about it. He's going to come running. We know that. He, you, you, you mentioned everything. Last race, the the race shape was up against him. Moretti, who. You know, Moretti was one of those horses who I really liked him as a his maiden win. I actually picked him in a fantasy league after that, and then uh, unfortunately he, he went into the withers. He he got bet a lot that day. He he looked like he was going to be maybe a nice three year old, and then just didn't fire in the withers, and then was was off. And then towards the end of 2019, early 2020 came back. He was okay. You know, he ran a couple okay races. I think off of that couple month layoff since he's returned, he's been much better. And what I like about him too is. We saw him on the lead. I, I agree with David. He just kind of ended up on the lead. I don't think he's going to be quick enough to push, but he's and he's a horse that can pass. He should be able to have some options from out there and maybe just work work out a nice trip sitting behind. Maybe third. Maybe Jovia can put a little pressure on on Mr. Buff as a as a long shot if they just get aggressive and uh, and and that's the the game plan trying to sit close. I think just whistle is a is a horse that's kind of progressing nicely as a, a five year old. He beat a horse named Spinoff, who's not a bad animal, um, who was you know graded a graded stakes type horse last year as a three year old. So yeah, I give uh, I give just whistle a little bit of a look underneath Sir Winston and Moretti. I prefer those two coming out of the same race than I do Tacitus and Mister Buff. And then just one more point on Mister Buff, who the one to catch no doubt, but the mile and a quarter. And again, what's strange. The three times he's tried graded stakes, uh, he's never been close. Never. And, and this isn't the deepest, strongest group in the world. And there, there is a major pace advantage for him. But I think sometimes we see these horses that can beat up on the state bred company or real small fields. Like the open race that he won in the Jazzle was not the, the, you know, it was a small field that he was able to just get out front and crush in the slop. I don't know if against the top top tier group, if he faces a little bit of pressure, if he's going to be able to uh, to continue on. So, yeah. So you have uh, you're going to build a lot around Sir Winston in here. Yeah, he's definitely going to be my pot top pick. One thing about uh, Mr. Buff, two of those times in the graded stakes were where he shipped out. Yeah, and, that's a good point. Uh, he could be a horse that just doesn't like shipping, but he did uh, did not run very well at all against Preservationist last year. He, he set an unpressured piece. Uh, he was clear and just kind of packed it in. That was a track where we said favored closers in our time form USPPs. But again, at two to one, I'm not that interested. If he was six to one, sure, I'd consider him as speed, you know, going to be loan. And that's a hard thing to get these days and get price. But I just don't think you're going to get it here. I I think David's spot on with the morning line. He's going to get bet. And I I just I don't trust him at two to one. 
a a fun card. I mean, we some of the races that we looked at at the graded stakes uh, the last month, as I said, you know, I'm repeating it again, but w- you could tell when you're looking at them. Uh, yeah, this horse, I, they're going to be tough to beat. I don't want to play them at that short of a price because I don't really love them, but they're in a good spot. Th- this Saturday feels a little bit different. We do f- seem like we have some vulnerable favorites, some horses that are worth taking swings against. That Met Mile is just going to be, as you said, as a fan, it's going to be a fun race to watch when we have. I mean, if you made a list of some of the top 10 horses out there right now, there's three or four of them in that race, no doubt about it. Uh, and we don't we generally get those kind of races in, in the middle of the year anymore. So. I'm I'm pretty pumped for this Saturday at Belmont. There's there's other good races uh, around too. I know Delaware's got some good. Even at Los Alamitos, we're going to see a couple horses in the a, a nice Baffert horse in the Los Al Derby. I think Bellafina's also running. So a, a pretty good Fourth of July weekend, Craig. And um, thanks again for coming on talking some Belmont with us. Give uh give the folks all your plugs. Let us know about the the shows um, one more time and where we can find you on social media. Uh, you can find me on social media at timeformusfigs.com. Uh, I post that pretty much anything you want to know about me or about the product is on there. Uh, I do the forecast, Timeform US forecast with David Aragona on Fridays. We always tweet it out. You can find it on the DRF channel on YouTube or any of your other podcast outlets. Uh, if you're not familiar with Timeform USPPs, I actually did a podcast which will come out tomorrow. With It's the... Uh, patient stew podcast i think nice. it is they they do a lot of sports but one of them's a big time form us fan and we don't talk any races but just about using the product cool. so if you're new to it it's good to get give it uh get a listen to because who better to hear from than me right the I guy who makes all. the figs yeah <laughs> right. exactly. made the figs had a lot to do with designing the product it's a little different than your traditional pps but it doesn't take a whole lot to get used to but i'll tweet out that podcast as well as this do, one yeah. our forecast and you know as always i'm pretty active on twitter as you know i love talking racing talking sports as we talk other things sometimes and just a, a good time of year to for for sports and racing. I'm looking forward to Del Mar out in your neck of the woods opening. My my buddy Larry Colmus is going to be calling yeah, out there this year. So we got a Keeneland meet that's going to be real compact yeah. coming up next weekend. We're yeah, and then you know Saratoga is going to be opening up soon too. So um, we we're going to get a lot of good racing. Like we were talking with um, on the Mike Abadir show last week about. With our fingers crossed looking at what the month of September could look like for a sports fan You know we could have a derby in September We could be watching the NBA playoffs We could have the baseball season uh, going on and progressing into the playoffs We could have football hopefully back on the NFL and the college level If everything were to go right We could be sitting on one of the better months in the history of sports uh, come, come September Right, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Who knows what's going to happen? But at this point, I'm pretty sure we're always going to have racing. So at least for the foreseeable future. So we have that. And as the other sports come back, you know I'm a huge NBA fan. Right now, I just feel so apathetic about it. But I'm sure once the ball starts bouncing and the whistle's blowing, uh, I'll be watching the games just like I did before and and ready to go. It's just, you know, kind of when it's not right in front of you, you forget about it, lose interest. But all of them, I'm looking forward to coming back and kind of getting back to normal. 
Craig Milkowski, time for him, U.S. Good friend of That's What G Said Craig, thank you so much, I always appreciate it I, I just have to go to the bat signal uh, A day or two in advance, call you in And you are always here for me, whatever racetrack we need Whether it's 10 minutes, uh, half an hour 45 minutes, even if it's uh, Talking some basketball or some tennis uh, Which we did with Wimbledon, so I always Appreciate you here, and uh, I know the folks um, Always respond really well to having you on They love hearing from you, and they love hearing your opinion yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, happy to come on anytime. And uh, my wife requests that you put put pictures of your son up. Said she hadn't we'll seen do. any in a we'll, little while. So. We'll be coming up on eight <laughs> months in, in just in like a week next week, which is insane to think about. So yeah, th- there'll be plenty of photo shoots coming up coming up soon. Tell the tell the wife I said hello. Hope the family is all doing well. Thanks so much again, Craig, and really good luck this weekend. All right, you too. I say hi to the family and Milo. Uh, Looking forward to them. (laughs) Later on, buddy. That's Craig Milkowski. Don't go anywhere, folks. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to hear from one of the sponsors of That's What G Said, and then we'll be right back with much more. Just wanted to remind you about one of the sponsors of That's What G Said podcast, Sarah Candle Company. Visit sarahcandles.com, C-E-R-A candles.com. Use the promo code G-I-N-O for 10% off of your entire purchase. These are all natural soy wax candle. They candles, they burn longer. They are better for you than the candles out there that have that traditional paraffin wax. I know the people from this company personally. I've grown up with them my whole life. They love candles. And the goal was to, to have an affordable candle that everyone can. Can enjoy Use that promo code G-I-N-O My favorite is Fresh Roses The Fresh Roses scent is awesome If you're a horse racing fan They got Del Mar in there You ever want to know what Del Mar smells like But you couldn't make it out there Order your candle right now From Sarah Candle Company The website C-E-R-A Candles.com Sarah Candles.com Promo code G-I-N-O For 10% off your purchase Big thank you to Craig Milkowski. You know how to get a, a hold of him on social media. Follow him. You can listen in to his uh, his shows that he does with David Aragona. Really sharp. Love the the both of them who have been on. That's what G said many times. Now we're going to get into Stable Duel Fantasy Horse Racing. It is back, folks. They have contests all weekend long. First, we have a Friday contest. We're going to go through a lineup and how to build your lineup. So Stable Duel. Friday, July the 3rd, Belmont Park Contest. It's a $5 entrance fee. It's called the Belmont Blast Off. And $5 to enter. I'm going to talk you through it. So let's go to the Stable Duel app and let's build our lineup for Friday. I'm going to go through. So you make sure you get your entry fee in. Make sure you have to deposit. You know, however, if you're going to play for five, if you want to put a couple entry fees in, you can play multiple entry fees. You hit new game to start. And my profile, if you're returning to a stable or if you're trying to go back and edit. And then you can also find up in the corner, um, you know, my stables. You'll see that right there or on the bottom, depending on what, what format you're using. If you're on the phone or if you're on your iPad. So what you're going to be doing is you're going to be selecting 10 horses and you're going to stay within the salary cap. You basically have to pick pick horses that are about 5,000 per race. That's that's a, that's the the guesstimate. So, of course, you can go one race where you pick for 10, you can go the next race where you pick for 1 and that will sort of even things out, but you have to you, you can't just pick the most logical short price favorites in every race. That's what's fun about this contest. Can't have multiple entries. You can also select multiple horses from one race in each entry. I wouldn't recommend doing so. If there's a 10 race card or an 11 race card, 12 race card, and you can and you have to pick 10 horses in your lineup, it's in my opinion, it's the best 
to just pick one horse in each race because you want to give yourself an opportunity to win every race. And if you get first in every race, you're going to get more points than if you were to finish second, third, fourth, fifth. You do get points for hitting the board and and all the way down through some of the minor awards. Make sure to go and read some of the fine print, the rules and regulations. But you're just trying to get horses that you you think are going to hit the board. Um, Odds doesn't really matter. The odds are reflected in in how much horse the horses cost in the salary cap. So a twenty five to one shot isn't going to give you more points than a six to five shot. But if you have a twenty five to one shot win, what it does is it's going to enable you in other races to use the short priced, more logical winners. So you're going to have to do some massaging. You're going to have to uh, do a little working to to make the prices work in the salary cap. So here is my Friday. Starts at. 1.15 p.m. Eastern Time, 10.15 a.m., $5 entry fee. What's cool about these contests, too, somebody's winning. You could play a pick five at the track and don't know if anybody's going to win. Not necessarily sure if you or some of your friends are going to win. But in these contests, you're going to be playing amongst hundreds, maybe thousands of people. You're not going to be playing against millions of people like you might be on some random, you know, ESPN or big, big website where you're playing against tons of people with tons of different entries. This is a new site. This there'll be a lot of people trying it out at the beginning. There'll probably be a lot of people waiting to see how things happen over the first few days. So get involved right away in some of these contests. There, you have the opportunity to win big money, and it's just playing amongst ourselves. Even if you don't have the best day, if your day is better than the rest of than the rest. Or, or many others, you're going to get paid back. If you have any questions about this process at all, please reach out to me. I will help you. What I love about this is if, if you, maybe you're in between pay weeks, maybe you don't have a ton of money, maybe you haven't been working, things are tight for a lot of families, you want, you love the races though, you want to play the races, you want to have some action, Stable Duel will give you that. For, for the $5 entry fee, you will have action all day. You'll be able to pick horses in each race, root for horses, hope they can hit the board, hope they win, and have an opportunity to legitimately win some serious money here. So in the Friday pool, let's jump right into how we're going to build our lineup for Friday. So we're going to go race by race. I'll give you a couple of ideas of, of some horses that I'm, I'm looking at. So, But keep in mind, if I gave you my exact lineup, horse for horse, it would hurt the both of us. Because the both of us wouldn't be able to win. So what I'll do is, I'm going to play multiple lineups. This is exactly like I would do with pick fours, pick fives, any of the wagers that I play. It's what I do with Daily Fantasy on uh, on DraftKings or if you play on any of the other sites. Multiple lineups, you take a few different shots and then you can mix and match and key some horses that you really like. And, and then, you know, have a slightly different variations of your lineup. So in race number one at Belmont on Friday, the horses that I'm going to be looking to. I think Garoppolo at, at 5,000, for me, it's going to be the one or the two. It's going to be Garoppolo at 5,000, most likely as my my first selection, and then it'll be Indoctrinate at 8,000. Indoctrinate wasn't bad. Both of those horses came out of that same race behind Prisoner and Fauci in the debut. Garoppolo actually broke pretty well from the inside, and then he got shuffled. He's come back, and he's he's put up a couple of really, really nice works. This barn is better with horses second time out. I think he has the opportunity to just improve a little bit here. 
I don't love any of the first-time starters, so I just prefer the two inside horses, the horses with a little bit of experience versus the the you know the three win from within who's going to take a lot of money and who is $9,400. So I don't want to have to be spending that much of my bankroll right off the bat on a first-time starter that I don't know a whole ton about. I'd much prefer taking a swing with one of the horses with experience. Let's start with Garoppolo. For me, I would be fine with you using Indoctrinate maybe if you, you like some races later where you can go a little bit shorter. In race number two, I'm going to look to uh, the two horses towards the outside. I think Beach Dreaming at 6,000 makes a ton of sense. Beach Dreaming is logical and I think is probably the you know the third most likely winner behind the top two betting choices. But it's coming out of some, some decent races at Gulfstream Park. Very consistent overall. I think we know we're going to get a good effort from this mare. The 10 makes a lot of sense. If you want to spend a little bit more Blue Atlas, I'd be okay with... with with that one, so for me, it'd be the eleven Beach Dreaming at six thousand. The ten Blue Atlas at ninety two hundred would be my next selection. Um, if you really want to spend up, you'd have to go uh, for ten thousand for Daria's Angel, and I just, I just don't. I like other spots where we could spend up a little bit. To me, it's not Daria's Angel that's necessarily worth spending the ten k on. In race number three, the two Kinky Socks will be my top selection. I think this mare started to figure things out. She took the blinkers off a couple starts back, and she's just really figured it out again. Uh, They tried the blinkers a few times. She didn't like it, and she just is able to relax a little bit more. This is a really good spot for kinky socks to pick them up. The six and a half furlongs, no issue with that trip. The two kinky socks we'll be using. She is $7,000. We'll also take a look at the eight. If you like Big Benny's Tribute, I wouldn't talk you off Big Benny. I'd be using uh, the two of them uh, on different lineups. Big Benny's tribute is 8000 The top-priced horse in the field is Big Benny's tribute. So I'm okay with spending up a little in this particular spot. Hetty G's going to take some money. Hetty G's 7500 I'd prefer Benny. I'd prefer Kinky Socks of the uh, the horses that are going to be uh, you have to pay up a little bit for in race three. In race number four, I the seven Kyoto is your one to two favorite on the morning line, and Kyoto is thirteen thousand dollars. So I'll be staying away from Kyoto. I'd much prefer the four Jen's Battle, who is looking for her third consecutive win in a row, was claimed and won nicely for the newborn. I think she has the opportunity to sit really close, and she's going to go second off the bench. There's plenty to like about. Jen's Battle. I think the three Jade's Jelly at 5000 makes a ton of sense. If you go Jen's Battle here at 1000 that gives you the opportunity to spend up in some of the other spots. So um, I think 3-4 would be the ones I look to, and I, you know, I'm not going to spend 13000 on Kyoto um, here. On to race number 5. Uh, so the couple that I would look at at race number 5 would be the three Topper T, who's going to go second off the, the short break, who's going to drop in class, who's going to add the blinkers. The way this race shapes up, there's a good amount of speed and not a lot of close. You look up and down, who's going to stalk and pounce in this race? I think the three, uh, the trip that Joel gave him on July the 26th at Saratoga when they won, sitting a few lengths off, give me going for, against first level allowance company, 
something similar to that effort, just take him back a little bit. That's what we see, we see Joel do a lot of the time. He takes horses way back. Hopefully he can just take back a bit in here, sit a little bit off with the three. Topper T, who is 5,000, will be using. I think the, the six-horse Spokane Eagle, who is 6,500, you can also include. What we like about him is, you know, he's he's going to be forwardly placed. He, he has the, the opportunity to sit off the pace like he showed us two starts back on April the 23rd. So I'm looking at two horses who have some speed, but who have also shown some versatility in the three, Topper T. In the six, Spokane Eagle at 5,6500. Those would be some of my uses in race number five. Might be okay with spending up in race number six. I do think Say Moi is, is going to be really, really tough in here. I'm, I would rather spend up on Say Moi at 9,200 than I would on Spices Nice at 11,000. Who she should run well in this spot too. She hooked Squish Skydiver last time out. I think they're going to get try to get a little bit more aggressive with her, get her a little more forwardly placed like they were in the debut, where they would sit not too far out of it. So expect to see the seven a little closer. If you want to spend up on her, I won't talk you off her. I don't dislike Spices Nice in, in this spot. I think it does look a little chalky with five seven. If you want to look for a, a bigger price in this spot, or maybe you don't want to spend as much here. You don't like those two. For me, it would be the four Vigilante's Way. So it'd be five uh, as the horse I like the most. Seven, I'm fine with spending up on if you if you can, and the four Vigilante's Way. I would uh, I would include if you want to go a little cheaper in this spot. In race number seven, I will take a, a little bit of a swing here with Tuck In, who is only $500 at a 15-to-1 morning line, stepping up from the Maiden 40 Claimers, the state-bred Maiden 40 Claimers, to the, the state-bred Maiden Special Weights. Her debut on the grass, I thought, was pretty good. She had a slow start. She was outrun early, and she was back to 10th. She was double-digit lengths off of it. She was three deep, and she started to travel really well. She angled to the inside, then she had nowhere to go. She kind of had to wait. She had to hesitate. She lost her momentum. She came on again. She just misses third. If she doesn't have that trouble, she's absolutely third, and maybe even a little closer. I think the five with an aggressive rider jumping aboard, Kendrick Carmouche, won't have to be so far back early on. Let's put Tuckin on top. We'll use Tuckin um, as a $500 spot. In the fifth race, I think the 11, if you want to go uh, a, a little higher, Fractorization I would include. The 7, Magnolia's Lady, who is 7,500. I'm also okay with her, depending on how you approach the other races. It would be 5, 7, 11 for me. And maybe with the 5, a race that we can steal a horse hitting the board with a, a super, super cheap amount of money taken off of our salary cap. Race number 8, let's go to the 2. Yankee division. One thing I do want to mention with some of these in some of these races where you have entries, you get two for one. So if you if both parts of the entries are running, I'm I don't mind spending up on the entries because you're getting two opportunities to hit the board where you you just need one of them to do so. Two for the price of one. So you get Danny California or Yankee division where you get two for the price of one in race number eight. This is a race that I'd like to spend up on. I just much rather spend up in this spot. You get two, you know, it's, it's just a better opportunity to, to secure yourself some points. The six would be the price for me or the, the longer shot dancers for token who's only a thousand dollars off of your salary cap in race number eight. So it would be Two, one, and six in race number eight. We move to race number nine. I like all handle the cash. 
She had a good start. She was right with the leaders, but she wasn't able to hold the spot. She was in tight. She shuffled. She had nowhere to go. She lost the length. She waited behind horses. She tried to hit a hole, but then got crossed over on, and she ended up getting put up to third via DQ. She's going to go second off the short little break. I think she's going to be right there. Um, She'll be closing, but she doesn't have to be too far out of it. The three... Get Mother of Rose. May not have liked the the turf course, the yielding turf course last time out. I think you can put a line through that and give her a shot on this turn back in distance here. I'd be using the four. I'll handle the cash at sixty or six thousand. I'd be using the three. Get Mother of Rose at five thousand. Those are my two in race number nine. And then in race number ten, final race on the Belmont Friday card. Final race of your Friday contest. I will be using the ten. 11 and 9 in different ways The number 10 Determined 1 uh, at, a, at a very very fair 1000 at 10 to 1 On the morning line The 11 is only $750 off your salary cap That's Mommy's Jewel who's going to be dropping in class Coming out of a productive race And then you have the 9 The logical Adios Amigos if you you know, you have money left over in this last race. If you have the opportunity to spend 8500 I wouldn't be against using Audios Amigos to close this thing out. 10, 11, and 9 for me. That's your Friday Stable Duel. Make sure to get involved. StableDuel.com. Download the Stable Duel app on your Android, iOS devices. $5 entry fee for the Friday contest. Let's get you to the Saturday Stable Duel contest. Saturday Stable Duel Contest Let's get you to Belmont So you can get involved on Saturday In either the $10 contest or the $25 contest And we'll go through right now And talk about you know some of the horses in each uh, race and, and some of the prices that seem to make sense So in, in race number one I'd be looking to three horses The, the top one for me at, at 6000 would be Shayna Bay Who I think has the opportunity to improve a ton dropping in class Not facing any monsters in this group The one, Ramon at 5000 I'd also give a look to If you want to spend up the 8, Charlotte Webley 9600 is a bit But with the blinkers on and her speed in this field She should be very tough to keep out of some of the top exotics So uh, 4-1-8 would, for me Depending on how much you want to spend in each one I'll always try to give you horses at different uh Pricing tiers because everyone's going to build their lineup A little bit differently In race number 2 I think there's a strong entry With the 1, I'm okay with spending up a little bit To get Battle of Rocks And Tribuven Tribuven was good in the debut And then uh, you can put a line right through It broke the reins and had to be pulled up and Bala Rocks comes off of a good runner-up effort. This is a this is just a great spot for him. He does really feel like the one to beat. You get the two for one action here. I would look to the two Spirit Animal if you want to spend a little less. Bala Rocks with the entry is ninety four hundred. Spirit Animal only a, a little less at seventy five hundred. But remember, if you're spending up already in these first two, you're going to have to start to shorten up a little bit later on. And that's what I'll do in race number three with the uh, the three. Regan's Edge. I really like this horse, uh, this filly, quite a bit. One that we talked about in the uh, the stakes races preview with Craig Milkowski. She was a step slow, so in her debut she wins, and she broke right on top and she cruised. Career start number two at Gulfstream Park. She had been on the bench from September of 2019 to March of 2020. So she comes back and 
she broke well, but the whole field to her inside lined up on the lead. So she takes back a few lengths, and she just couldn't re-rally. Sometimes at Gulfstream Park, it's a tough track to make up a ton of ground on. She ended up actually getting into a good stride late. She had a, a nice gallop out, and it was a fine third. Comes back on May the 16th at Churchill Downs. She's a step slow from the rail. She gets shuffled back to sixth on the inside, about four or five lengths off. She... Keeps to the inside, then angles around early on in the stretch and is able to get up for the W. One more step forward, she can compete with Frank's Rockette, who may find six and a half furlongs, you know, a little too far for her. Frank's Rockette is the controlling speed, though, so if you don't want to go against her in this spot, I can understand, but I will. And I'll use Regan's Regan's Edge. For me, the only other one would be Frank's Rockette, but this is definitely a spot where I'm going to go against and uh, against the uh, the spot where a lot of people will probably just spend up on Frank's Rockette. In race number four, I'm going to skip it because there's 11 races on the card at Belmont on Saturday, so you don't have to play uh, play a horse in every race. You can you know you can pick 10 in any combinations of the races. I'll pick 10 different races, but I won't pick race number four. In the fifth race, I'll use two different uh, horses in, in some of the lineups. The one, American Power, who was just beating a nose last out. And the eight, Zoomer, who's now going to go first off the claim for Claceris. Was your beaten favorite. Didn't have the best of trips. I think a different trip now. Slight improvement second off. I like the draw to the outside. Give me Zoomer as the, the play. Zoomer is 6,000. American Power is 5,000. In the third race, we're going to get uh, a little bit of a... Uh, respite with Regan's Edge, who's only 3,000 in there. So, um, not necessarily having to spend up a ton in race number three or in race number five with Zoomer or American Power. In race number six, I would have two horses that I'll be using on most of my lineups. The first one is the number nine, Bastest who showed speed going a mile and an eighth in the debut, got action, now is going to turn back from the mile and an eighth to seven furlongs. I think this will put her in a really nice spot where she's sitting just off. She should be very, very fit on this turn back. Give me the nine on top. And Bastist at 5,000. Give me the three. Amazing Ride at 500 as another one, who you know you're going to get a little bit of speed with her. She didn't have the smoothest of trips. And she's another one, got that race under her belt. I wouldn't be shocked to see them go a little quicker with her early on. Amazing ride we could use in some of our lineups. That's the number three, who's only $500. That would really open things up for us in some of the other races. In race number seven, a couple horses that I'll be uh, looking to at 7,000. I think Dan Fousey with the speed coming off that maiden win, looking for back-to-back victories. Should be tough to keep out of the exotics. I will give a look to the two at 7,500 point to him. Uh, Dan Fousey is 7,000. I would prefer Dan Fousey. And if you want to go uh, a little shorter, Joe's Bold Cat would be the price play for me in this race at 3,000. At 8 to 1, Joe's Bold Cat will uh, would be, you know, depending on, on how I'm, I'm, I'm going to end up approaching this race, would be the probably my second horse in here. I would probably go 8-5. Eighth race, the grade three poker. The two valid point I like at 7,500. I think Got Stormy at 7,500. They're both playable. But Seismic Wave at 3,000 
I think this horse is going to improve. I don't know how good he is. I don't know if he's going to be able to compete with some of the top, top tier in here. But I think at a price, you're going to get uh, him passing some late horses with Joel aboard. Give me Seismic Wave, who was dead last. He was 12 lengths off. He angled out widest of all at the top of the lane. He was in the sixth path. He was closing really, really well. Seismic Wave we will have on top at th- for 3000 Got Stormy at 7500 Valid Point at 7500 would be other uses. Mr. Freeze is going to be a really nice horse to use in the lineup because he's only 3,000, and I absolutely think he has a chance to, to beat this field. I think a lot of people will be using the big three in here, either a Vacoma or McKinsey or a Code of Honor. We could get a little separation with a, a Mr. Freeze in here who is only 3,000. I would be fine with, with using you know, Warrior's Charge, who's only 750 with that speed to the outside. I'd be okay with using Endorsed for only 1,000. A ten to one shot, who has just improved and and had a really nice year so far. Would be no shock to see this guy hit the board. For me, it'd be the seven, Mister Freeze at three thousand, the six endorsed at a thousand, the seven and Warriors Charge at seven fifty. In a race where I feel like most people will look to a Vacoma, a McKinsey, a Code of Honor, we can go a little contrarian here with the seven, six, and the eight. Tenth race, the number three cross border, I think has the opportunity to steal this race on the front end for a thousand. We will also give a look to the two Rock Emperor at six thousand. And if you want to, if you you know you spend up early and you don't have a whole ton left, Spooky Channel at just five hundred has an opportunity to get you some points at a price to close things out in race number eleven. More ready, I think, to the outside for six thousand, some speed. But last time out, but this is not going to be the horse that's on the lead in here. I'm hoping Mr. Buff goes. Jovia pushes a little bit. And maybe Moretti sitting third right behind. I would be okay with Sir Winston at 7,500. I would be okay with Just Whistle at 3,000. That is your Saturday Belmont Stable Dual Contest. Best of luck. Take a look for That's What G Said. Let's get you from Saturday Belmont Contest to the Saturday Delaware Contest. $10 entry into the Saturday Stable Dual Delaware Competition. And they do have a couple graded stakes races on Saturday over at Delaware with the Delaware Oaks and with the Kent. Let's get you to uh, how we built our stable for Saturday. A couple horses that I'll be using in race number one. I I think with the two-for-one entry of Princess Arini Glorious Mystery, the one gives you a good bang for your buck at 5000 there. So that's probably the, the top selection for me. I would also give a look to Group Text at 3000 and Unique Humor at 8500 if you want to spend up a little bit. But I think the one, getting the two-for-one and Princess Arini from the inside trying to win back-to-back, uh, let's, use the, uh, let's use the one in race number one at Delaware on Saturday. In race number two... Okay, I promise you I'm not just doing this because my name is Gino Nicola Vacola. I'm going to use the Italian for $1,000. The Italian's going to drop in class, is going to go second start off the bench. This horse has some big speed. I think he can sit off a little bit and press if he has to. He has won at the distance. There are no monsters in here, and he's won before at Delaware. I think the Italian, with that big speed, has an opportunity to at least hang around and get us some points at 10 to 1 for just $1,000. The number four, Zombie, hey, hey, Zombie, hey, hey, in your head, in your head, 
in your head Zombie 9500 on Zombie I mean that's a little much to spend Early on the one does give you The two for one action also You get the entry with Bust Another and Equus Novus I'm fine with spending up for that one I'd probably prefer the Equus Novus Bust Another entry because you get the two for one For 9200 versus Zombie For 9500 but those would be The three horses I use in here The Italian Zombie Equus Novus Zombie Hey hey Delaware race number three It's the four Heroes hope for me Heroes Hope takes uh, a slight step up in class and goes uh, from comes in from Laurel Park to Delaware. The overall turf form is really good. You can make an excuse. A couple starts back when she bled. Uh, other than that, she's very very consistent. And Heroes Hope just needs to take a little step forward off that last effort. She'll be right right there. The number two Atreyu has not raced since Mountaineer last year, but. He's done nothing wrong on the grass And he would be a, a horse If you don't want to spend up It would only cost you 500 bucks At this 15 to 1 morning line Hero's Hope would be 3,000 Who I would slightly lean to on top The Mighty Judge if you want to spend up in this race Would be the one I would spend up for At 9,000 That's the number 8 So it would be 4, 2, and 8 for me In race number 3 In the 4th race I will use the 1 Small Invasion as my top horse in, in entries Small Invasion was a good runner-up uh, At the level last time out Was your beaten favorite Just a repeat of that effort Is going to make him very, very tough in here We should be even fitter with that race under his belt I'm Papa's favorite If you're just looking for a bust-out one Maybe it's I'm Papa's favorite He would only cost you $250 at his 20-to-1 price Tapazar King would be the third He's 7,000 um, I would prefer Small Invasion at 5,000 But if you want to spend up Tapazar King He was just beating the nose in his debut And has taken a big drop in class After trying the grass last time out It would be 1, 8, 7 for me In race number 4 In race number 5 The three don't fight You're going to spend up And probably have to In this race, I'm going to spend up I'm either going to use the three don't fight at 9500 9, Or the 5 Princess uh, Agogo At 7500 Who was a fine second Last time out And now we'll go third Start off the short little break Has the opportunity to improve So 3-5, three, 5-3 five, uh, five, three. I'll prefer the 5 just because you have to spend You know 1700 less or, or 2000 less as a Don't fight is 9500 Versus the 7500 to Princess Agogo in the sixth race, embossed getting back to the turf is going to be a, a key play for me. I'll probably use it as a key in a couple different lineups at 7,500. The three toolcat with that kind of speed, with the opportunity to hang around and, and pick up some points for a minor award, I think toolcat at 250 is a, a horse I'll be using in a lineup or two. And the number six. Trickle in. If you want to spend up, that would be who I'd spend up in this race. Trickle in is 8,500. In and that was the uh, the Christine uh, the Christiana stakes, which is race number six. The couple graded stakes is are coming up in uh, in just a minute. Race number seven, too deep for me. The three stucco dropping in class. Put a line through the grass races. Put a line through the race in the slop on January fourth. Then look at the form. 
look at how good the form looks when you're able to excuse a couple start races like that. You notice that some of her last few starts, she's raced, then she's gone to the bench. For, you know, she's raced, and then she was off for a couple months. She raced, and then off for a couple months. Well, now she raced at the beginning of the at the beginning of June, and she should be in much much better shape today to hang around Stucco. The six empty nester, if you don't want to spend up a little bit, uh, is just a thousand. Stucco is five thousand, so you don't really have to break the bank for me, at least in this seventh race with either one of them. In race number eight, which is the Delaware Oaks, the the two piece of my heart's the one to beat, right? So if you have the uh, the opportunity to spend the nine thousand on piece of my heart. That's fine with me. I do think the five can get you some separation here. That's hopeful growth. Uh, hopeful growth at a thousand uh, ten to one on hopeful growth. Who I like that Reagan's Edge race. We just talked about Reagan's Edge, who's going to be facing Frank's Rocket over at Belmont Park. Hopeful growth was second in front of uh, Reagan's Edge that day, and she just continues to improve. She's done so little wrong in her three starts. I wouldn't be shocked if she gets bet down a little bit. And that's not going to hurt us anything once we get the price locked in and, and it only costs us 1000 So, hopeful growth, the 5, the 8, Queen Bridget at 3000 and the 2, piece of my heart, would be the 3 horses I use in different lineups, in different ways, shape, and form. The other graded stakes race, the other grade 3, is the Kent, which goes as race number 9. And I've liked Pixelate for a while he is just so consistent. He never runs a bad race. He always shows up. He's coming out of some of the better races. The race that he ran a few starts back at Churchill was really, really good. Finishing in front of Field Pass that day, who came back to beat him um, on June the 20th. He, he just is a measuring stick, and I think he's just classier than the rest of this field. Pixelate, for me, is another one that I'll be, be keying in on. He's 8000 so you do have to spend up a little bit on Pixelate. If you can't afford to spend as much on Pixelate, maybe the 7, Sensation at 5000 You know you're going to get a good run for your money with Sensation because he should be really close to the front end in here. So I would use the 3, Pixelate, and the 7, Sensation in race number nine. And then how about some Arabians to close things out? Race number 10. I'll go for the two for one with the entry of Royally Bread and Royal Moonlight at 6,000. If you uh, don't feel like spending up or you just want to go cheap and take a swing with the Arabians, maybe the six Amy's Little Diva at 750 would be the, the one for me. So that's your Delaware Saturday Stable Duel Contest. One more Stable Duel Contest for Saturday. So we got the Belmont for Friday. We got the Belmont for Saturday. We got the Delaware for Saturday. We've got the Woodbine for Saturday. $5 entry fee to get into the Woodbine contest. Again, if you're listening to this, if you have any trouble while you're putting your lineups together, if you have any issue at all, reach out to me. Send me a a message or uh, hit me up on Twitter, on Facebook uh, with a post. I'll do my best to help you out. I'll be involved in all of these contests throughout the weekend. And on Saturday, let's talk Woodbine. So I, I'm. If you want to spend up on the the three or the six right away at at, at eighty five hundred or at nine thousand, I'm fine with it. I'm gonna take a a swing in, in one or two entries with the one uh, Mathouse at seven fifty, just as a plain experience factor. Where most of the other field has no experience, this one at least has knows what a race is. So drawing the rail. With the experience and the blinkers going on, if she breaks alertly, I think she can hang around. Let's use the one, and if, you know, at just 750, 
if we can get some points early on, we'll really give ourselves an opportunity to spread out uh, throughout the uh, the remaining races at Woodbine. Like in race number two, the nine cheeky pint would be my top selection, who is going to be making her first start of the year. The two back effort would be. You know, so competitive here. She's going to be going a little bit longer, and I think she'll be a little more forwardly placed fresh in here. I would be fine with using any of the six, seven, eight, or nine. The six pressure front is 3,000. The seven natural habitat is only 1,000. The eight call her Joey, but she hasn't raced since September. She's dropping from the maiden special weights. I kind of see the 8 and the 9 similar So I would prefer the 9 just because It's going to cost you a lot less to use the 9 If you don't want to use either one of them The 6 or the 7 would be my next Tier of horses and their value Is fine at just 3,000 And at just 1,000 In race number 3 At Woodbine, the 4 teacher's pet She had a good start, she was close up Early, she was 3 wide, she was in with She was within a couple lengths, but she got hooked four wide in the second flight And I think that ended up hurting her late She's going to turn back a distance now It's going to be second start off the long layoff This is a great spot for a, a filly with some speed Who can pass some horses I think the four we need to use In a, just $1,000 for that 10 to 1 price The two I would prefer Of the the two and the seven uh, I do think Coach Lori Is the one to beat in here So Coach Lori if you want to spend up But that's 9200 for Coach Lori and I would prefer Teacher's Pet at 1000 But I would prefer Coach Lori to American Tap. In race number four, another race where I think we could take a real, real shot at going short in here with White Wedding, who's going to get back to the grass, just 250 bucks. White Wedding I'll be using in one entry. We'll use the seven, Striking Moon at 5000 in another entry. Those are the two for race number four. In the fifth race... The four horse Fiesta in Vegas is very logical For 9,000 this would be one of the horses I'm fine spending up with because we're going to take Swings maybe in the first maybe in the Fourth so you can spend a little bit On Fiesta in Vegas if you don't Want to spend the eight would be the one For me blinkers on with wild loot Second off the very very long layoff With some real back class and some Races to to try to get back to and then the two Lynch's Gimme, who has been a runner-up at the level in back-to-back starts, and should be right there again. So four eight two, Fiesta in Vegas at nine thousand. The eight wild loot would be a little cheaper at three thousand. The two, if you also want to spend up, would be in the higher range at eight thousand. In race number six, seven and a half furlongs on the turf course. I thought the nine, Rose's Vision was one of a few that I I kind I have two eight nine. And Rose's vision at 6,500. I would lean slightly towards split my pants. Has the race under the belt, um, also, which was which is nice. So wouldn't talk you off that one if you don't want to spend quite as much at 5,000. Uh, the two combated. If you do want to go a little higher at 7,500, that would be uh, the the one to use for me. In race number seven, I thought the two Golden Wave coming off that victory last time out with the opportunity to be in the mix and forwardly placed throughout. This is a, a horse who has, took some money in a, a pretty live maiden special weight race at Gulfstream back in February, first time out of the box. I think the two has some talent here and can continue to step forward. That's Golden Wave who we'll be using at just a thousand off that 10 to 1 morning line. I think this one's going to get bet down a little bit. The seven dotted line 
is the likely betting favorite. It, it will, it'll be between Dotted Line and Halo again, those two. Halo again dropping out of the, the graded stakes races, Dotted Line winning a couple um, Ontario bred stakes races back-to-back. Dotted Line... I prefer of the short price, so I would prefer the seven dotted line at eighty five hundred. Deviant at a thousand would uh, would be the other one for me. So two, seven, and eight would be the three in race number seven at Woodbine. In race number eight, which is the Grade Two Eclipse, you know, if you want to spend up on, on the ten thousand for Mister Ritz, the way that we're going to build a lineup with some. You know, with perhaps a uh, Mathas in the in the first at only seven fifty, in the fourth maybe a White Wedding at two fifty, maybe a, a Golden Wave at a thousand. You can use Mister Ritz at ten thousand, and he's gonna be right there. He should be. I would be shocked if he's not in the top two. The six horse Skywire was very good when, when he was younger, and he might have woke up a little bit last time out, and now he's gonna be able to. String a couple races together with I like He hadn't raced since July in 2019 Came back in March, was an okay fourth And then last was only beaten a, a length I think Skywire Has the opportunity to get back to some of that Early form in his career So the 6 if you want to go a little bit cheaper in here At just 1000 The Mr. Ritz if you don't mind spending up At 10000 the 2 would be the other one Avi's flatter, maybe you want to spend up But you don't want to spend quite 10000 For Mr. Ritz, I'm fine with Avi's flatter At 8000 Three horses I'll be looking at in race number nine to build some lineups around. The two, Speedy Bolt, who at 3,000 is a horse who you could you should probably be able to find some space for in your lineup. That That's not a bad price at all on Speedy Bolt, who's looking for a third consecutive win and shouldn't be too far out of this race at all. The 10, I thought, is probably the one to beat in here. That's Chuck Willis. 6500 if you want to spend up on Chuck Of the price horses, I would look to the 5 Storm Fuhrer, who you'd only have to Spend 750 on the 12 to 1 Morning line, so 210.5 There for me in race 9 And then to close things out at Woodbine in race Number 10, I think there are two Bombs you could use in here I think you can use the 12, more Chances, who's 20 to 1, that would only cost You 250, I think you could use The 6, Enchant Me Who's twenty to one? That would only cost you two fifty. But if you've already spent, uh, if you've already, you know, um, saved ton of money and you, you've you spent wisely so far, if you have a lot left, go to the nine U.S. Army Corps. It would be the twelve, the nine, and the six for me as my three in the tenth at Woodbine. Just a five dollar entry fee to get your Woodbine Saturday contest in. Go download the Stable Duel app right now. Get involved in all these contests for Friday at Belmont, for Saturday at Belmont, Saturday at Woodbine, Saturday at Delaware. If you have any questions at all, just let me know and uh, I'll do my best to help you out. We were just talking fantasy horse racing. If you are a fantasy sports fan, stop right now. Go take a look at Thrive Fantasy, thrivefantasy.com or download the Thrive Fantasy app. It's a new DFS app for prop bets. Each unique prop will have an over and under point value assigned to it. It'll be something like, will Tom Brady throw for un- over or under 250 yards? If you pick over and it hits, you'll get 100 points. If you pick under and it hits, you'll get 80 points. And that's how you build your lineup going through each prop. Do you like 
it over or under and they have contests right now for League of Legends for golf when baseball and basketball and football get back in swing they'll have contests for each of those you can play in head to head matchups you can play in competitions where you get involved for $2 for $5 for $20 and have the opportunity to win thousands in prizes and if you use the promo code GINO right now when you sign up G-I-N-O through July the 3rd Right off the bat, just use the promo code GINO when you sign up You'll get a $5 bonus credit And then anytime, anytime you, you play If you're going to be depositing for your first time If you deposit $10, bucks, you will get an instant $10 bonus credit So right now, if you're listening to this And you're ever thinking about playing Make sure to get involved before Friday Because you can get that extra $5 bonus credit By just using the promo code GINO ThriveFantasy.com Download the app on your phones On your Android iOS device If you have any questions just let me know That promo code Gino will get you the $10 Instant bonus credit when you deposit 10 Friday racing at Pleasanton Let's get you over to the 5th race and let's, let's talk some Pleasanton late pick 5 So in race number 5 I'm going to go 3 deep in here I'm going to use the 5 Coastal Starlet on top 3rd off the bench Dropping in class Hooks a ton of speed, so she should be able to stalk and pace uh, and pounce nicely with the 1, the 2, the 6, and the 7, all setting things up early. The only dirt try was against much better. I think she deserves another shot on the dirt. The 5, Coastal Starlight. The 6, 2, Bears will use with that speed. The 2, Sarah Smirk will also use with that speed, who's one of two of her last three. So 5, 6, 2, 2, 5, 6 in race number 5 at Pleasanton to kick off the pick 5 on Friday, July the 3rd. In race number 6, we're going to use 4 horses. We're going to go 3, 4, 5, and 6. I think the 3 consensus dropping, getting back to the dirt. Very logical contender in here. Argosy Fleet was only beaten a length and 2 starts back. Any, anything close to that would dust this group. I think the 4 plate side, 3rd off the very long layoff proven on the dirt. And the 5 Midnight Special has the opportunity here. Look at some of the dirt form um, in 2019. Not bad at all. Getting back to some of those races would put Midnight Special right in the mix at a price. 3, 4, 5, Six in race number six. I'm going to single the number seven in race number seven. That is Seau, who is going to sit a little bit closer on the stretch out, getting back to the route, getting back to the dirt. He's won at Pleasanton. He won at Los Alamitos on the dirt in 2019. Third off the bench, Seau set for his best. That's going to be my single in the pick five. I will single the seven in race number seven. And we get to race number eight. I'm going to use the one, the two, the the three, and the six in here. The three American former off that runner-up effort in the El Camino Real Derby, which uh, has become a race that has uh, been productive with the third-place finisher coming back to win next out. The one looking for revenge. You get speed from the inside trying the dirt for the first time. The two bottle of smoke. The dam was two for four on the dirt, and they have a sibling that won on the dirt. This is the sharp gelding who's going to be stepping up in class, but he's won three of his last four. And I think he's worth a little bit of a swing and a little bit of a shot in some of your late exotics at a big price. The six is the one to beat. Sacred Rider. You know, if you don't want to use him, that's fine. I think he does fit well in here. And I don't love anybody else in this race. I'll I'll be spreading out a little bit. So if you don't want to use him, that's fine. I'll use him because I'm going to single Seau in another race who I don't necessarily think Seau is going to be an overwhelming short price there. And, And then in race number nine... The two, perfect mood The approach in this race is going to be Toss the seven, 
toss the nine sweetener. That's why I'm okay with using the short price in race number eight if you want to just make it to this ninth race. Because I, I think going six furlongs with the seven charging home and this the nine sweetener in here, both very quick. Both are going to be battling, and they both are going to soften each other up. And n- neither of these two were able to get the job done going five furlongs. They're going to try to go a full furlong farther. I think the eight, the first time starter, Hazer, damn won the debut by 15. This is a multiple stakes place dam who has produced three foals. Two of them are winners. Both of them won on the dirt. There are some sneaky good works here for the eight live looking first time starter. The two perfect mood. I feel like she's going to end up sitting a really great trip in here. Maybe third or fourth behind the two speeds. The big long shot and the price play for me is Spirit Lake. A race that looks to have a good amount of early speed signed on paper. And a lot of these horses, six furlongs, might be farther than they want. I'm not worried about that with Spirit Lake, the 10. So we're going to use the 2, 8, and not, and 10 as our top selections. And we're going to toss out the 7 and the 9. If you're playing, you know, Xactus, Tri Supers, the 7 and the 9 are going to be underneath. But as far as on the win end, I think this might be the race where you can can go a little uh, fishing for prices. So toss in the 7 and the 9. We're going to use the... Or we're tossing the 7 and the 9, we're going to use the 2, 8, and the 10 as our 3 to close things out. So here's what the pick 5 looks like at Pleasanton in race number 5. 2, 5, 6 with 3, 4, 5, 6 with 7 singled Seau with the 1, 2, 3, 6 with the 2, 8, 10. That is Friday over at Pleasanton. Let's get you to Saturday, 4th of July card over at Pleasanton. And we'll have one play early on in the card and then we'll get to the... Uh, the late pick five. In race number two, the number three, uh, Diametric, who was three deep. She was in the second flight. She was sitting fifth or sixth, about four lengths off. She was wide, but she was not far behind Hey Wilma. And now she's going to get to the dirt where I think she will be able to improve. Let's use the number three, Diametric. We'll make a win wager if we can get anything around three to one on that one in race number two. Let's move to race number six, which is the start of your late pick five there on Saturday. We'll go three deep, get out of this first leg. I thought the three heat saker baby, probably the one to beat who's going to step up off the claim. I just think this is a great, great spot for her. My angel Cindy, she hasn't done a whole ton wrong. She's been a measuring stick at this level three starts in a row, but she has burned money in her last two. I don't really want to toss her completely out. I will be using her uh, along with the six chieftains lady who was only three to one when she faced my angel Cindy. And my angel Cindy was 27 to 1 that day, back on uh, March the 14th. 3, 6, 5, 3, 5, 6. Those are the three we're using in leg one of the pick five there, which is race number six. In the seventh race, we'll go one with Cimarron, who is going to get back to the dirt. Tried the grass last time out. Look at the some of the dirt races uh, towards you know middle to end of 2019. They would be very very competitive in this group. The two hard sense who's going to go first start off the claim for a barn who has been excellent so far with the small numbers at the meet. The six B lifted up who's dropping in class has been facing a lot better in the last few. And and then the seven Circulo de Gandoras who I think she's the one to catch. Who else in this race? Has got gun at speed Hard sense is quick But the 7 is stretching out of Sprint races I think the 7 has the opportunity To to get brave and get loose in here 
The seven on top, seven, six, one, two. Those are the four horses for me in race number seven. I'm just going to single in race number eight with the six. I think uh, any port in a storm. Second off, drawn well. This is a a horse who is a multiple stakes winner, has a ton of quality, and should have every opportunity to stalk from the outside. That's the six. Any port in a storm trying to win that oak tree sprint. Race number nine, we'll go three deep in here. I'm going to use the two ecologist. I think if you toss the grass race going long and we're just, you know, looking back to the May 17th race, didn't run that well against the 50 starters, but that's a tougher group than this group here. Ecologist. The deuce. The six implicity has been showing route speed, but she but he does have a win at six furlongs way back when. And so cutting back, he'll probably be coming off the pace a little bit more with a horse like the seven card to late drawn to the outside. Those are the three I'm going to use in this leg of the pick five, two, seven, and six, ecologist, card to late, and implicity. And hopefully we're alive going into race number 10. I'm going to try to close things out using four in here. The five, six, seven, and nine, Rowdy Rooster who is inconsistent, but has you know, maybe three races that would beat this group. Die Maker, who I'm expecting to be close to the front end, stretching out from that five and a half furlong debut on the big drop from Maiden 25s. All Million Bob also taking a, a sizable drop in class. And then you got Hold Me Close, who's 0 for 22, but in, on the dirt is 0 for 6 with 1 second and 5 thirds, is always there or thereabouts. If nobody jumps up and runs well, the the 9 Hold Me Close, I think it'll be his race to lose. So the pick 5 on Saturday at Pleasanton in race number 6, 3 5 6, with the 1 2 6 7, with the 6. With the two, six, seven, with the five, six, seven, and nine. Let's close out the show and talk a little bit about some of the Saturday stakes races. A couple from Delaware, a couple from Low Sal. When we discussed the FanDuel lineups, we talked a little bit about those Delaware races. On Saturday, July the 4th, grade three, Delaware Oaks is going to go as race number eight. And the one to beat is Peace in My Heart. She's looking for three in a row. She just won the Gardenia stakes over at Oaklawn. She beat Comical that day. I don't really have any knocks on her. I just prefer maybe one or two others because of the price. Hopeful growth is that one. Hopeful growth is coming out of uh, coming off of a win. But the race that I really like is the March 21st race, two starts back because I'm high on Reagan's Edge, who's going to be facing Frank Rockette over at Belmont Park this weekend. So hopeful growth making her third start off of the long layoff, making her third start now as a three-year-old. She is. Just one more little step forward, and that should put her right in contention with a horse like Peace of My Heart or a horse like Queen Bridget, who I think would be the other one to include. So the five, if you're looking for a play in here, if she's anything around four, five to one, I think that's a fair price on hopeful growth in the Delaware Oaks. But no real knocks on Peace of My Heart or Queen Bridget. I would just prefer the slightly pricier hopeful growth. In the ninth race, the Kent... Picks late, I wouldn't be shocked if she ends up getting bet down. I, I'm just going to use 3-7, and I'm going to see what the price uh, on picks late is. Gufo coming off of the, the three consecutive wins is definitely going to take a ton of money for Clement. So maybe we do get an, a fair fair price on picks late. Sensation will also be a you know a horse. I'm, I'm fine taking a shot against Gufo in race number nine at Delaware, which is the Kent. 
Couple graded stakes races over at Los Alamitos on Saturday. Not really sure if they're going to be the best betting races in the world. We do get to look at a couple quality horses, though. In race number six, we're going to see a horse named Uncle Chuck for Bob Baffert, who was a seven-length debut winner and earned a 95 buyer speed figure back on June the 12th at Santa Anita. And we will see multiple graded stakes winner, Thousand Words, who was disappointing in the Oaklawn stakes when he was your favorite that day. And he was pretty disappointing in the San Felipe, too, behind Authentic Honor AP and Storm the Court. If you're looking for a horse to bet in this race, to me, the only a new door who is also in this race. He was fourth in the Santa Anita Derby last time out, but he just has not progressed at all. He's coming off of actually his his best figure of his career, but he he wasn't really close. He never really seemed like he was going to win that race, and he was fourth in a small field. This is not the most difficult race, obviously. It's not a deep race. I just think if you're looking for a horse to bet, it has to be the two great power who stumbled at the start, and then he took a bit to get comfortable on March the 14th when he was behind Charlatan and Rushy. You see Rushy, that's the same Rushy who outfinished a new door in the Santa Anita Derby. Grade 1 placed Rushy. Grade 1 winner, Charlatan. I mean, so he was he was 3 deep. He was chasing lone speed. He got to up, up to second within a couple lengths before fading. It really wasn't a bad effort on, on March the 14th from great power. So he would be the, the bet for me if you're looking, but I think Uncle Chuck's going to be tough. You actually see Luis Saez coming in to ride for Baffert. Imagine them just putting this one on the front end in a race that doesn't have a, a ton of other speed. Uncle Chuck will be really tough to run down. Maybe great power can set the trip in here, and uh, if he's around you know, 4 or 5 to 1, I, I'd make a little win wager on great power. And then in the uh, the 8th race, we will see Bellafina in the Grade 2 Great Lady M. So the Losal Derby is a Grade 3, and you get some Kentucky Derby points uh, for uh, winning or finishing in the top 4 there. The Grade 2 Great Lady M, couple graded stakes races on the Saturday card at Losal. Bellafina, no doubt, will be the heavy favorite. But with the rail draw, that could be something where you might want to look a different direction. I just think she really towers over this field. The horse, to me, if you're looking for the bet, would be Amuse. I liked Amuse earlier on in her career, and and she's had some issues. You know, she's been to the sidelines a few different times. She was off from December of 2018 to April of 2019, then from April of 2019 to June of 2020. She came back. She went a mile on the grass. She showed the she set the pace that day. She showed the way early. Faded, finished third. Now you're going to cut back from the mile to six and a half. She's won going six and a half furlongs before. Uh, if they go, if there's anyone that's able to, I'm not sure what the what kind of trip Bellafina is going to get with Artistic Diva, with sneaking out, drawn to their outside, it could get a little tough for her. And so if she's on the inside getting shuffled or she she maybe she tries to go and has to work a little too hard, Amuse would be the other horse that would benefit in here. So that would be the only one that I could look to play at, at Los Al against Bellafina would be Amuse. Couple graded stakes races at Los Al, couple over at Delaware. That is going to do it for this episode of That's What G Said, folks. Don't forget to get involved in those stable duel contests on Friday and Saturday. Big thank you to some of the sponsors of this episode. Cindy Carava, we have Sarah Candles, Thrive Fantasy, Old Smoke Clothing, and Stable Duel. Don't forget to play the races all over this weekend uh, over at Pleasanton. We got pick fives for you on Friday and Saturday. Thank you to the guests on this episode, too, Greg Milkowski and Eric talking some NBA, Craig talking some Belmont stakes. Joey Cleveland going to close this episode out for us.